Hello, everybody, and welcome to Third Man In, a new hockey podcast from us. Uh, I'm Mike Hickey. Uh, I'm one of your three hosts uh, of the show. And uh, just to kind of get you started, uh, we're going to bring everybody in kind of in a in a one, two, three kind of way. And we're going to start with me because what happened was that's kind of how this started was a couple months ago, sitting home, uh, drinking a beer, watching Hockey Night in Canada on Twitter, on my phone, paying less attention to the game, more attention to uh, Twitter. And I started thinking to myself, like I had two really good friends who both should have podcasts and didn't. So I texted both of them and said, why don't you have a podcast? And they both wrote back and said, I don't know, I probably should. And one of those two people is uh, sitting right next to me right now. Uh, well, actually, they're both kind of sitting across from me, I guess. But one of them is at Smokes and Doors himself, Mr. Charles Pickett. How's it going, Charles? Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. And I'm glad that you said yes when I said, well, do you want to have one? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it kind of made sense. Um, I'm more of an idea rather than a doer. I think I'm going to give you credit to being the doer in this. But uh, after like 19 years of trying to shout over every intermission of Hockey Night in Canada and being like, hey, I want this to talk about, but uh, for whatever reason, they don't get to my topics when I yell at the TV. Uh, Twitter has been a blessing in that because you can kind of get to the topic yourself. And uh, here we are. I'm excited to be a part of this. And uh, it's it's not just you and me. We're probably like kind of like we're probably going in reverse order of the people of, of the people on this podcast that people actually want to hear from. People because are tuning in. Our right third host is, is the one you're all here to listen to. Uh, just because if you've ever been in a room with them, if you've ever heard him on another podcast, <laughs> if you've ever seen him play, if you see him on TV, he's always just the most electric, most uh, amazing guy in the room, Mr. Terry Ryan. How's it going, Terry? It's awesome voice. Thanks a lot uh, for having me. Well, for having me. We're going to have each other here for the next little bit. But <laughs> I'm losing listeners already. Uh, no, um... Listen, um, I appreciate it, and this is the thing. I love uh, going on. I've guested on a lot of podcasts, um, as I, I assume most of the people that are starting to hear this show realize. Um, hopefully we can grow it as big as possible because it's a great thing even just to get together uh, every week and do this and have people uh, you know, actually care about our opinions is, is humbling, and it's an awesome thing to do. But... Um, the other thing is that I don't have the organizational skills, so I, you know, I really, Mike, if you didn't call, um, there was a few things I had going on, like maybe here and there, but I, I often, if I want to, just like, fuck, or what do you, you want to be, Charles? Is it Charles, Charles or Charles, we'll go with Charles. You know, we yeah. know each other online for the most part. <laughs> I don't know. We've talked online for like, I don't know, Two six years? or seven. Yeah, well, <laughs> six or seven, I think, with Twitter. When did you join Twitter? Oh, geez, a long time ago. Too that, long ago. Well, one of the only, at least locally, you kind of gained a little bit of, what prominence I, locally? I got to say, when I was going on, um, yeah. when I was going on your, uh, when we set up the Twitter account for mm. um, for Third Man In at Three Mi Podcast, if you want to follow us along, if you're not already, uh, one of the things that I did was go on TR's uh, followers or follows. Actually, it was the yeah. people you follow first because that's a shorter list, way, way and, short. and went through and was like following everybody, and we were going through and doing all that, and I was actually quite impressed with how. Because it usually goes in like reverse chronological, so like the newest people are, are at the top of the list, and as you scroll down, uh, the the farther you go down, the the longer you've been following somebody. And I was quite impressed with how far back me and Charles were. We were early on your early on, uh, oh, early, early on your yeah. Twitter followers. I'm proud for, of that. For a couple of different reasons, okay. Twitter can be a cesspool for a lot of fucking things, okay. And I like to be, <laughs> I like to be half uh, political. I I, I don't want to be. I, I'm certainly not going to make the steer this show that way unless it comes up through a, through a guest. But it, it gets almost so annoying and it causes such a headache 
that I often stay off of there. And if you look at from when I was first on Twitter and, and every time I wanted to chime, that's why I really respect what you're doing out there, Charles, Chuck, whatever the fuck you want to be called, because <laughs> um, it's really interesting. And the same thing, Mike. And Terry Hart, local. Shout out to Terry Hart. Everything a local guy used to do... Um, some VOCM I think he's just doing it on his own now it's just his Twitter handle but you know it's a positive goddamn mm. feed it makes you think every second one that Chucky here puts out is uh, real thought provoking and I like that and you know and it, it, another thing um, on Twitter you know I know I follow a lot less people my social media is fucked up because I'm in between famous and you know, what's the word regular not, not, civilian? Not, yeah, yeah, civilian. Not famous, because I'm not. But, like, locally, there's a few things that factor in. First of all, I didn't play a long time in the NHL, but I am one of the biggest first-round busts ever, so that's a big thing. Then it's with the Montreal Canadiens, not with the Columbus fucking Blue Jackets. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, it's, it, people couldn't just call Guy Lafleur, but I, I'm a real backup plan for a lot of major fans, because they know they can get a hold of me on, on Twitter or Facebook or something, and I'll get back to them. So a lot of my... I almost... I'm right at the cusp of, like, do I need a secretary kind of thing? Because I want to get back to everybody, but I'm not a big fucking shot you know what I mean like so it's for me I'm not trying to be ignorant I just can't follow all my buddies that's I guess that's what Facebook is for but now like and the other thing is that I'm also an in for tickets people think because you play one game in the NHL A you have millions of dollars that you never run out and B that you just get tickets from here on into every goddamn game you want to see in the NHL, World Cup, whatever. And it's my my, my Facebook inbox yeah. is basically a request line for tickets in the NHL. And, and the answer is no, I don't. Yeah. I get four alumni tickets a year with the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, Jesus, you can't yeah. even get an alumni ring. <laughs> I know. We were talking about that, and that will come up. Uh, but, uh, you know, I do. If I'm in Montreal, I use the alumni room like my fucking shed. I don't, I'm don't. i allowed to do it. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's always, Montreal is weird because, like, you go down there and it's like Lafleur, even Beliveau, and Beliveau's wife before before uh, the classy legend passed away. Um, when I was first there, Rocket Richard, you know, like Jacques Lemaire, Larry Robinson, these guys hang out at the rink. If you're at, again, if you were at, like, a Nashville or a Columbus, just, you know, alumni room, just because of the history of the teams, it's not as rich. You know, you get Jody Shelley and shit hanging out, like buddies of mine, but, like, Right there, it almost feels awkward, but I say fuck it this many years later. I'm happy to have played and I used the room. The, uh, the, the Nashville alumni room is just Mike Fisher playing solitaire <laughs> with himself. He's just there yeah. like three draw solitaire. Who would have like, been no, Jason or not? Watching Carrie guy? Underwood videos on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Mike, uh, TR, you're not going to get back to me on tickets? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I try to do what I can, but the, and the other thing is our buddy... Uh, Dave Roper, I'm sure you guys know of or at least know David. He's the equipment manager now for the Leafs. And honestly, that added to because people know he's one of my best buddies in the world. But, you know, I can't imagine what he, because uh, half the requests I get now are, can, can I get Roper's number? Can I do it? And they're like, you know, yeah. pretty, pretty good buddies, but I can't, I can't do it. Like, I can't. You know, I don't want him with the same fucking stress level as I got. I bet you two hours a day is dealing with that kind of shit. So wow. I got to figure it out, don't I? Yeah. Don't well, I, I think now, like, we realize that part of the reason Terry said yes to being on a podcast is so we'd have a platform to tell people to stop messaging from yeah, the tickets. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm going to be... Uh, anyway, he's, he's gone out the door now. He's yeah, done. five episodes at a time and see how it goes. The first five are dedicated to me saying fuck you to everybody that gives me unwanted messages. <laughs> <laughs> 15 minute segments talking about yeah. we're not giving you tickets. Well, you know what? There's no way to come out of it not looking like an asshole. I know. Well, you it's know? also a shout out to Slack because it was only when we actually moved our uh, our planning thread off Facebook Messenger and into Slack that TR started to reply on a regular basis to shit. Oh, we yeah. just get spurts where he'd be like, oh, right, the guys, and then just go message us. Right, and then, but now that we've moved it to a dedicated thing, and th- thank you to Slack. Hey, if you guys want to sponsor us, we'll happily short. accept it. This uh, is therapeutic. I didn't yeah. even realize that until you said it. <laughs> Hashtag Slack. 
Slack. Go ahead. Big fan yeah. of Slack. Big yeah. fan of Slack. Uh, and uh, but yeah, we just thought it'd be good. And, and one thing I got I got to shout out. We just actually retweeted this on the th- uh, three of my podcast Twitter account. But uh, it's a, a tweet from a couple weeks ago that my fiance Maria had told me about it. I just cracked up and thought it was really funny, especially with what we're doing. But it's from at Kimmy Monty. And uh, it was just a tweet that said, son, what mom, uh, son asking mommy, what's a podcast? And her replying, well, dear, when a group of men love their opinions very much. <laughs> and I think it's just a brilliant uh, synopsis of what we are and why we're here. Uh, and also, it's just a cool thing because a lot of you guys might know uh, if you're listening, um, you obviously uh, follow one of the, one of us or all of us or just Terry. Um <laughs> And you know that Terry is also an author. He's got his uh, first book out, Tales of a First Round Nothing. He's got a second book uh, on the way. Um, And those books were really much brought up from... Terry keeping journals like his, um, yeah, I know in the book you talk about how your dad right. uh, an incredible yeah. man who who's just amazing to hang out with he's, uh, he's an interesting cat uh, him getting you to write a half hour every night like read or write that and so it, yeah. you've got these journals that you've built up and that's that's the books but we're gonna with the podcast we're gonna be able to also use the fact that you've kept a pretty intensive address book over the course of Still the last do. couple decades yeah. yeah so I mean and and so we do have our first guest coming up in a little while we, we got some stuff we want to talk about before we bring Ken Reed uh, on, on to chat to you but um, it's just so cool that yeah like we've got we've got this here and, and we're gonna be able to bring out all, all these great people that you're going to get to hear from and, and hear about the lens of hockey because one of the other well, things that we have talked about is that it's the, the show is as much as we're going to rant about hockey and we're going to we're going to yell about things and we're going to have opinions and all this all that kind of stuff a lot of this is especially when we're talking to guests it's going to be a lot more of it is about how hockey can like bring people together about how people that from all different walks um, whether they're actors whether they're musicians whether they're hockey players whether they're broadcasters whether they're funny people on Twitter or other athletes um, uh, talk about you know like it's, it's something that can really bring people together and fandom can really do that uh, and that's going to be a lot of, uh, of what we get to over the course of what this show is I well, think well that's what yeah you know good call there I wouldn't have gotten to it but prob- probably from my uh, you know we're, we're just getting together and, and actually Mike when you just said that out I don't know if we all actually were solidified in that opinion. I mean, I, I know we were. I'm not saying that you didn't fucking ask ask us before, but that was a great way to put it because I hadn't thought of it like that. But look, there is an overreach here, and you know, for a lot of people that follow me online, would would realize that now, um, you know, I work in the film industry for the last uh, eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, here and there at the beginning, now I'm pretty heavily involved. I work as a set dresser. I'm on the show. Well, on a bunch of shows. A lot of them shot here in Newfoundland. Rex Frontier. Um, being the most famous, probably a cot little dog. So I work on these, and, and I also do some acting and stunt acting. And we can get into that. That's a fun little topic. It's uh, provided me with a lot of entertainment and uh, opportunity. But point being, we're going to overreach a little bit into that area. And I'm not saying we're going to say what's what's your favorite fucking, you know, uh, movie for the Oscars or anything like that. We're, <laughs> but you know, Jim Cuddy says a buddy of mine uh, wrote the forward to my book. Um, you know, Alan Doyle here in Newfoundland. I mean, he's a big hockey fan. And, uh, you know, very, very much uh, involved in the arts. Uh, Culture here in Newfoundland is, you know, one of, 
how would you say our culture um, it's hard to really explain I think most people have an idea but uh, you know you go downtown today even on a Saturday morning there's a live band somewhere I guess you could say a bit of an Irish influence um, I think we're way over represented in the arts community in a, good, in a good way I mean like you know you look at the actors or musicians from here and they way outweigh a lot of other places we the punch same. way above our weight oh, class with the way, CBC way don't sure. we, yeah, we, we definitely do even, even shows like this hour is 22 minutes yeah. I don't know if a lot of people realize they're almost exclusively Newfoundlanders um, and have been 90% let's say I haven't really done my research but I'm pretty sure I'm right and um, you know anyway so we're going to do that we're, we're not going to involve you know call some hair and makeup person in Hollywood and, and ask them about their origins but we are going to uh, overreach because hockey is a game that brings us all together uh, I think a lot of sports you could say that about any sport but the, from our perspective we're definitely going to get some interesting guests on, guests on like Jim Cuddy Jason Momoa will be on uh, later, uh, as as the chaos of Aquaman uh, settles down, he's a good buddy of ours. Uh, you know, uh, guys like that, Jim Cuddy, Dave Bedini, Rio Statics, and the Dave Bedini Band. We're going to go on, and these this uh, it's going to be interesting. On top of that, I just mentioned that because we got a lot of guests to come every week, and most of them are going to be from the hockey world. But you know, we're going to try to please everybody, kind of thing, which isn't going to work, but we're going to try. <laughs> These are all formal invites to the show for all of the all the guys <laughs> yeah. listening. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot of people don't realize it that, that I just named, but they yeah. will be on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the other thing is, guys, uh, if if you take anything from this first team first fifteen minute preamble to our podcast, stop messaging Terry Ryan for tickets. Start Go messaging him, asking if you can you can be a guest on the podcast. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? You know, like the, the other thing is that this is new, so we're gonna yeah. get like you know. Right in. What's our email, Mike? Uh, it's, why, uh, how would you prefer that people? Um, well, like I said, we're up and down on social media at, at 3MI Podcast. 3MI Podcast. Uh, 3MI Podcast. So on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you should be able to find us through all that stuff. But if you do have anything else you want to get at us about, uh, 3MI Podcast or 3MI Podcast at gmail.com is also a good way to, to reach out and, and get hold of Remind us. Remind me something at the end, because I'm going to give some people some ideas that maybe they can weigh in on. All and, right. Uh, okay. but it's going to waste some time right now. It's just coming to my mind here now. Um, and uh, we are, we're, we're a little over on what I was hoping to spend time wise on the preamble but before we go on I do want to mention one other thing that we, we probably we definitely forgot because we didn't hear it right now uh, because everything's going to get kind of edited together after the fact uh, I do want to say a, a huge thank you to the guys from Brothers in Stereo who are friends of ours that we know uh, their first record is is one of my all time Newfoundland favorites uh, and they were very kind in letting us use their tune Worst Crowd um, which is probably my favorite tune off the record um, as our uh, as our uh, theme song here and uh, we really appreciate that and yeah, if, if you can go find Brothers in Stereo on uh, Spotify or, or Apple Music or, or a record store, really wherever you wherever you get your music, track down Brothers in Stereo. In I got a fun story. Oh, oh, sorry, go, you go ahead. I, I got a fun listen. story about that record. Uh, my high school cafeteria in has, Labrador. Yeah, in Labrador, <laughs> Menahek High School. Shout out to Menahek. Uh, the high school cafeteria I was in. That record was in the cafeteria playing in the lunchroom for I want to say like. Three weeks on end. Wow! Like wow. literally, Beautiful. it just it just it got put in there, and nobody took it out for like three weeks on end. And it's just kind of that was like a every song could be a ago. single. Yeah, yeah. every right? tune. Yeah. It's one of those it's, rare it's of those. records where there's no filler. It really it's is. It's just yeah. like it's just like 
hit after hit after <laughs> hit. And, it, and what's sad is that it wasn't that. It, it, you know, the record did well for the guys, but not as good as it, know, it should I have. Thought, look, and 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 yeah, and that's the thing. I also have like a bunch <laughs> of brothers and stereo stories I could tell from like the boys started. Um, I met the guys when I was like eighteen with a fake ID at a bar. Yeah, man. They so were I've the, got they a were bunch of ass. stories about that uh, that I will get to at another time. But for right now, we're already fifteen minutes in, <laughs> and we haven't even started the segment. In segments. an ideal world, they'll go on the. If we can take this show on the road. Oh, if we can take the show on the road. Brothers in stereo to play live. Yeah, we're going to do you it. Know, we could all help each other out anyway. We'll see how it goes. Get ready, guys, because uh, we're going to try to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but for now, we want to get to, uh, we've got a, a plan here, uh, and we're hoping that this is pretty much like kind of the regular structure of things. We're going to get to uh, something that we're going to call intentional offsides. Should have brought a whistle to blow then. <laughs> well, I was going to put effect. a whistle in and sound effects. Oh, and yeah, yeah, okay. We're going to cue it up again? No. Okay. You've ruined it. The <laughs> uh, whole show's ruined. But uh, so what we're doing with intentional offsides here is that we've got a few topics that we've kind of been writing down, keeping track of over the last few weeks of things that we just think are a bit ridiculous that we just kind of want to weigh in on in the hockey world and, uh, you know, kind of get our opinions out there on because that's what a podcast is all about. Uh, and the first of which is is one that at this point probably seems a, a little bit old because it's been over two weeks since it happened. Um, two and a half weeks, really, because we're recording this uh, on the 12th of January. And really, this whole story goes back to the 26th of December because, guys, yeah. what the hell with Team Canada and this 14 nothing thing over Denmark? Honestly, you can start, Chuck, because I'm fucking pissed off. I'm going to lose it. Okay, so uh, I made a joke on uh, on the old uh, the old Twitter there that uh, part of like Canada's Christmas tradition is kind of getting in front of the TV and yelling at teenagers. Um, and like I knew the Denmark game was kind of going to be what we always expect that first you know, line up against where we're just punching down. It's like when you get Little Mac from uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out and you play Mike Tyson for the first time. Like, yeah. Little Mac was definitely Denmark in this situation. <laughs> um, but after 10 goals, I always kind of figure you put your third line, your fourth line out, and you just keep the puck in that end. Like, And I know the goal differential kind of counts in that uh, in that whole scheme of things. In yeah, tournament. but it ended up not mattering. Yeah, oh, like, definitely. But you know, like, like, not worth it. No. After 10, I was of the opinion that, like, okay, yes, first game of the tournament, you, you want your, your horses just running out of the stable really fast. After 10, you just, I'm not there's saying a, let a, up. I'm not saying don't take shots. Don't have that like weird New Jersey Pittsburgh game where the loser got to draft Yager, where there was like <laughs> nine shots taken in the whole game. Good call. But just <laughs> let up, cycle the puck. If you've got a wide open cage and the puck's on your stick, well, well yes. But I mean, just going in and dunking on. And, and, like, and that's the thing to me, because it's a very fine line, and this is something that I. I it's really hard to really manage well because the thing is, is that you you want to be the whole thing is about respect and being respectful in your play. And there's a very fine line between kind of letting up and taking your foot off the gas and doing it in a disrespectful way where you're just kind of like, oh, we don't even need to try anymore. But then there's another thing of like if you if you are scoring your your 12th and your 13th goal, like there's no need to like pump or nickel and just like, you know, there's no need to really like 
be, be a big deal about it. At this point, it's Canada's first game. They've only been together as a team for a few weeks. That's a point where Tim Hunter and crew get back and they figure out some systems. They figure out some things, like you said, get the, get the lower lines out, get some guys some ice time that wouldn't normally have it and really kind of work on some fundamental team stuff. Because I, I, I've been saying this whole time that I think the biggest problem with that Team Canada more than anything is that it looked like you had 25 individuals out playing hockey. It didn't look like you had one team. They weren't passing well. They weren't figuring out where each other were. That was my biggest problem with that team was that they just didn't feel like a team. They felt like 25 individual kids out there for themselves. It did. Now, I'll tell you. No, it's totally did. And I'll tell you some takes that I have on that whole fucking situation because I was livid watching it. First of all, they knew from fucking the first goal they were going to win by 10. So I wouldn't be pumpernickel at all. Mm. I can maybe see the first few. Now, you picture it from these poor kids on Denmark's perspective. Hockey's gaining momentum in the in the region, mm-hmm. but it ain't number one. Um, they're very privileged. They, you know, I'm sure, judging by what they were saying after and the quotes I read on Twitter, they seem to be happy to be in the tournament you know and, and get to go to the tournament and so they're they not come anymore out, yeah which is sad um because yeah because because of shit like this happening so they come they come to the game there's twenty thousand canadian fans going crazy it's mm-hmm. in canada yeah it's set up to be the, that the schoolyard bully is picking on a smaller kid with an audience of his buddies that's what it seems like so unless you go you, and you can really play that one way or the other if you're canada you can play classy now mm-hmm Sometimes, I wasn't happy with the 14, but sometimes, I guess, if you're so dominant, 14 can go in the net. I think they pressed it, but I'm not saying go down and not shoot it. There, there's a way, though, and if, you know, there's a way. There's a fucking way. I've been in a lot of those. I'm not saying in the NHL. I know a lot of people listening to this, you know, what, I'm going to hear on Twitter right away, well, what the fuck does he know? No, the, the, the eight <laughs> games were in the NHL. I'm still playing. I played a World Ball Hockey Championship a few months ago, and this exact sort of situation happened when we opened up the tournament. I believe it was against Bermuda, the host. We won four to nothing, five nothing, I think. But so, you know, A, they're going out and, and you know, there, there was a couple of people even early that embellished. And I was wondering, I'm looking at it and, and they're embellishing plays. And I'm going, you know, you're going to win the game. At some point, these other teams are going to go, fuck Canada. Mm-hmm. If I was going into Russia and it was hosted in Russia three out of four years every time, and we've made something of it. I love watching it. But everybody that says, oh, it's my Christmas tradition. Well, I guess because TSN shoved it down your throat. <laughs> but I mean, it's great because it's great to watch. I enjoy it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's fed to us. It's marketed. It's packaged up. It's great. I mean, that's why we got I'm, I'm not against TSN or Sportsnet or mm-hmm. any of them. But we did kind of invent this thing. So any of these Christmas traditions... You know, I get it, but we're watching, and for all these teams coming in, it doesn't mean as much. If you go to Denmark, they probably wouldn't even sell it out. And that's no, I think, I think in Denmark, the like hockey is by yeah. far not their number one sport. I think their number one yeah. sport is still trying they, to kill your uncle to avenge your father's murder, well, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> well, yeah. and they got you know, soccer's big. They do have a hockey league over there that's that's you know gaining momentum. But I mean, Danish nothing like, league. I just really yeah. wanted to get that Hamlet joke is, out there, guys. You know, JJ Daniel played over there, ex Ham. But um, and there are guys now that I know over there. Uh, but the thing is, so. That's the situation for Denmark. They're, they're shitting their pants on the bench fucking halfway through that game, man. And people are still waiting for a guy to put his head down. Open ice hitting. I can even see rubbing out on the boards. If someone open ice hit me and I'm down eight to nothing in the second period, I'm telling you I'm going to chop him in the fucking head. I was fucking livid. It, it's, it's stupid for a lot of reasons. The first would be karma mm-hmm. because then it's in your head. The game ends, and even though it's all good, I know that in my head I just went out and embarrassed the team, and it might come back, and it starts creeping in. People say, well, karma, well, it's not really a thing. It is. It's science. It's in your head somewhere, okay? I believe in that link. The other thing is 
if I'm on Denmark, I'm looking to fucking root somebody and I'm looking to root the, the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. You're setting yourself up for an injury. It's happened before. It's happened. It's happened a lot. So, and again, I know it's a different era, but I know if I was born 20 years later, if I was in that tournament now, I'm telling you, I'm the same person. Someone, people do have tempers. And if I'm on Denmark with nothing to lose, I'm, I'm not rated for the draft, assumingly most people. I'm coming into this game. This team's going to run over me with 14 guys drafted the NHL. Mm-hmm. I would grab, I would rip the helmet off, and I would fight. That's what I would do, and it'd look bad. It's setting yourself up for for absolute chaos. The secondly, sorry, I will stop, but I told you I had somewhere to go. The second <laughs> fucking game was against Switzerland. What was it? Three to two. Three two. Yeah. Three yeah. two. I believe against yeah. the Swiss. Now. Not so. I know they've they've they're a lot better, but why did it do? That's karma right there, starting because they only beat them three to two. They got outplayed, I thought, yeah. in a lot of the game. And then the next game is against the Czechs. During that, their captain, and I will preface it with this: I appreciate it. I love watching sports and opinions. And people say don't pick on the teens. Tim and Sid's one of my favorite shows. Sid went off. You know, you shouldn't be picking on nineteen-year-olds. Well, well. <laughs> Okay. That is the most like senior I've ever heard yeah. you sound. <laughs> I'm 18 years old. I, I'm not comparing it with me because I don't give a fuck, but a lot of people. I'm just giving you the world that I saw at 18. When I got off the plane in Montreal and there was cameras in my face, and you and I went to my first practice, I didn't look like a great skater, and they put in the paper. Again, I'm not looking to trip over my bottom lip. I'm just saying this is the way it goes. You get drafted high, you get there, you're criticized right off the hop. You're not going to step on the ice and someone say, oh my God, look at that Ryan kid. He should be first line power play right now. You got to work your way to that shit. So... To, to, uh, you know, I came out on Twitter. I didn't. I'm sure Comtois is going to be a great player. He's a great hitter. He was a great player last year. He was great in this tournament. The way he acted though wasn't was not like a leader. And he's out there against Russia. It's one thing. It's one thing to embellish if you get hooked on a breakaway or some shit like that. Any hockey player that says they didn't, either it's subconscious and they they didn't know it or they're lying to you. Because I've done it. I'm not known as that kind of player. But you know, if I get a breakaway in a fucking World Junior Championship or a World Championship, or be honest, the fucking uh, Captain Cook tournament out in Cornerbrook. I've seen I'm, you do it at yeah. a Friday shitty game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've seen it. So, like, you know, but to actually poke a guy behind the ref's face or, you know, behind the ref's attention and then to have him get you back and then flop down, now you're bordering on the Marchand. I know you're wearing a Bruins jersey, you like Marchand, but I don't like that part about him and I would, t- I would have him if I played against him. Love that he's Canadian, love that he does well, but that is not good leadership with 20,000 people, with TSN, with everybody, with all the people looking at you, all the kids on your junior team at home, wherever you are, proud of you, and you're on there and you're goading people in. In mid-tournament, it's going to come back. And it came back. And all it looked like at the end of it was a bunch, just like you said, what I just said, I think, led to in the final, or fuck, they got knocked with final. It wasn't even the semifinal. Was it even the quarterfinal? It was the quarters. The quarters, quarterfinal yeah. to yeah. Finland. I yeah. know they're okay, but they dominated parts of that game. Finland were the better team. I don't know if anybody noticed yeah, that. They were. Oh, they yeah. were the far yeah. better team. And the thing is, is with that 14 nothing game against against Denmark, I, like what it kind of goes back to what I was trying to say a little while ago was that like there was a point in that game when you're up by four, when you're up by five. Yeah. And instead of worrying about putting the puck in the back of the net, clearly what we saw from that finish game was that Canada need to work on their fucking passing. Yeah, man. And they could have really like yeah. stepped back and, and now, worked on their where, systems where and worked Some on their cycling. Some of those spin guys, they couldn't catch to hit like they were hitting the guys on Denmark. Poor guys came out, probably never played a game like that in their lives getting lit up at center ice eight to nothing midway I'm getting upset talking about it honestly I nearly put my fist through the fucking TV fuck them and now I'm positive though that you know that we have a healthy you know I don't think it reflects on hockey in Canada and people do just people do overreact that was a tournament 
the way that was the team played, it pissed us off. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say that. I know they're teenagers, but they do. That's criticism. I have confidence in all of them. I think it's a learning experience. I think Comtois in a few years will be in the same position. He might be assistant captain of whatever team he's with. Who's he with? I forget. Uh, Anaheim. Okay. So, so yeah. Like, and, 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 and they need the help, right? They, yeah. And they got a lot of guys exiting. Yeah. So he's yeah. going to be a big part. Now, that might just be, I mean, here I am. The under-18s, man, I fucking lost it at the end of a game in a, in a, against the Czech Republic and got thrown out. I was MVP three of five games going in. I was one of our better players back then, of course, in another <laughs> fucking life. But, but that, and I remember like looking like an idiot and grabbing the guy. He didn't want to fight. I was just pissed off, tripping over my bottom lip because I played bad. And I fucking beat him up, and I shit my blood all over my hands. The poor kid was fucking crying, and I really regret it. And that was on TV in Amos, Quebec. I remember it was on Atlantic Canada and uh, you know regional, but that was it. And I, I fucked up, but it, it taught me. You know, I remember one time I hit a referee here, Teddy, Teddy Murphy. It was an accident. He's a local guy. I love Teddy. I haven't, you know. And you ask the refs now, even now in senior, I shake their hands before I go off because each, you know, you learn this shit. No. Now, I'm not saying Comtois an asshole or a punk. No. I'm saying that was a stupid move and he needs to learn from it. And I think that criticism is justified. I, 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 you know, as far I think, as- I think the way some people went, yeah. I, and I feel like a lot of the, the criticism that Comtois got was more so for um, the mis the mis penalty shot in overtime, well, and that's un- and to me that's I, unjustified. Yeah, that's, that's bullshit. Well, I, I think right. I like you know that's for bullshit. one Hunter never should have put Comtois out there for for that. And the other thing is like it came out after the tournament, he played the whole thing with a separated shoulder. Yeah, um, a lot so of good I mean there. A lot you know. He, there's a lot of good there, and and the way a lot of people went off on him on, especially I think they Total went to his. That's bullshit. Like you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you can say like you know, it's one thing to go on on Twitter and call somebody a fucking plug, but it's another thing to like go on their personal accounts mm-hmm. and say like, I hope you yeah. contract horrible illnesses, and I hope you die, and use Twice, use yeah, use yeah. derogatory terms, and all like that's well, I hate social yeah, yeah. not that not that calling someone a fucking plug isn't a derogatory term, but you know what I mean. It's like it's a little bit yeah. different, and and, that's what and it's. It's keeping it in a very like you know, you know and also don't tag him if I you're gonna it. call him a fucking plug. If he yeah. wants to, if he wants to Google like vanity search himself and see that I called him a fucking plug on Twitter, then I don't even think I did. But I'm just saying like, it, yeah. if he wants to do that, that's on him for being vain. I think I, yeah, but don't tag. I think him. I said you know, uh, you know, if he's gonna do that, he's gonna look like a jackass yeah. and embarrass his teammates. Yeah, yeah. But, but we kept it all like uh, T.R. was just very fired up and we are all yeah, fired up, even obviously. though it's a couple of weeks ago. It's yeah. going to be yeah, a while getting over it. Yeah, no, what it's, it's going to take me until next January to get over what it. What I really didn't like, and I, I, don't, I, I see it a lot more and a lot more, and it's, it's I guess it's a byproduct of the, the universe we're living in right now, is that people made it personal so fast and took it as you mentioned on their mm-hmm. Instagram on their Twitter and all that stuff one you should be allowed this this guy was playing in front of 20,000 people they were all screaming yelling okay you miss a penalty shot he's yeah. gonna be okay with the hearing that the always with the goalie yeah too. he's gonna be like, okay with hearing that go in but two, no one deserves to say you're a, you let your country down. You're a national and all that, and like tag them in it and put it on their. I had a real big problem with that. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's and, and that's yeah, that is absolutely. That's not what uh, to me. That's not what that tournament is, is should ever be about. That's not what being a hockey fan should be about. No. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can never settle down the masses, man. Well, that's no, well, that's yeah. true. You know, you got twenty thousand people screaming, and then. 
those 20,000 people didn't want to be let down. No, not and at I, all. I guess you knee jerk, you, you do. And the Twitter masses, right? Oh. You, no matter what you do, or the Twitter, whatever, social media, yeah. Instagram, you're going to get people, and a lot of yeah. them just do it just to do it. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter hockey is the angriest place on earth when there's a mass letdown. It's down. angry, man. Oh, yeah. it, it, it is. Any it, issue that you yeah. thought, I can put out there, the word, the earth is not flat, man, and you're yeah. going to get hundreds of people coming back to you going, you're an idiot. You'll yep. find out. You'll find out when you die. You're wrong. It's a joke. The world isn't round. Yeah. The moon isn't really there. We didn't go to it. No matter what yeah. you put out. So, like, you got to realize what you're doing. When you're yeah, dealing with millions true. of people. Yeah. And it's and it's very much a, a squeaky wheel thing, right? Yeah. It's like a squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's it's the friggin' idiots who who get yeah. heard the most, right? Um, and but yeah, it's just and, and I mean at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff that uh, a lot of the stuff that we saw come out of that, you're getting you're putting blame on these on these youngsters, uh, yeah. but who are you know again, it's it's that tournament has gotten blown up to that big to prep these kids. For going into professional yeah, sports, mania, just, and, and, just and, mania, and it, it's it's a it's a level that they're not going to probably see in a lot of like I mean, there's very few markets in the NHL that hold their team to the kind of um, <coughs> expectation that Team Canada does. Yeah, but um, but at the same time, it is kind of prepping them for that. But at the end of the day, every problem I had with that team in that tournament just goes back to Hunter, and oh, and I Even, you know, to be honest with yeah. you, did anybody notice you know? The, the power play, like, just just one technical thing I didn't understand, okay, yeah. that some people that run power plays out there might. Yeah. But there's there, the, the way that we we would run a power play, say, in, in pre-2005 or whatever it would be, mm-hmm. was kind of to overload one side. There's a forward down below the net. There's a guy in front. You give it to the point over to the other. So you're working with half the ice. Yeah. Now, more often than not, you do the, the umbrella style where you yeah. have one guy at the top, two on the sides. Two down with a guy coming back and forth, front of the net, yeah. right? Net presence here and there, but you got f- five kind of umbrellaed out around. Mm-hmm. But Team Canada, so what you normally do, think Stamkos, he yeah. goes on his wrong side, so we can get the one time. Same thing with Ovechkin. Same thing with Ovechkin. Yeah. Or, otherwise, they wouldn't be shooting it that hard because yeah. they couldn't one time it from the other. Yeah. But Canada, if you'll notice, you go back, and their power play was dismal. Yeah. But they had guys playing th- th- their natural side. Mm-hmm. So when it came. Um, who was the D that missed that shot? Dobson, his stick. Dobson. Break. Yeah. So when he was on the power play, though, he was on the other side. Yeah. That side was advantageous. Even the stick didn't break, it was in. Yeah. Oh, but when yeah, he was 100%. on the power play, he was on the other side. Mm-hmm. And they'd have a left shot there. And I still don't. I, I mean, I get trying it once in a while because some guys can be natural passers mm-hmm. and hit the back door, whatever they might do, if it's working. But when you go like 0 for 19, yeah. you know, and you've got the most drafted players yeah. in that tournament and you're the best and you're in front of all these fans that want you to change it up. I couldn't understand that part of it. And he's a hockey vet and a coaching vet. I, I don't. Yeah, it's I I don't know. I, but I mean, like the other that. thing is like it, he's a hockey vet. He's got some time in the NHL. But did Tim Hunter ever play, play a power play in his life? <laughs> like, it's just be, to me like, you know, Wally fair. Bray would do that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, St. John's Caps. But I anyway. kind of wish we had a whiteboard here and this was a video cast because yeah. Tierra could have just marked up oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a whiteboard. When he was oh yeah, man! Yeah, the whiteboard at hockey schools. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bring in a telestrator at yeah. some point. When we go live, we'll do a telestrator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we do like when we take the show on the road and start doing, going live with Brothers in Stereo in the corner. Yeah. So um, can we get to another? We're one gonna move. We're gonna do one more topic All for right. uh, intentional offsides. I think I am dying to talk about the Brad Marchand mutant ninja turtle. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just dying to talk about this. Happened on I think it was Wednesday night. It was uh, uh, Wednesday or. 
the, no, Thursday, I think they played Thursday the Caps. Thursday night? I okay. Think. It was, I, I it, think so. Okay. It was, yeah. it was this week, uh, so we're probably going to get this on air in a couple of days, so it'll still be kind of a bit more fresh. It'll be less Canada, than so. seven days by yeah. the time this podcast goes up. And one thing that everyone, uh, we should make sure everyone's aware of, I am a Bruins fan. I am wearing a Bruins jersey right now. I do love Brad Marchand as long as he's in a Bruins jersey. And as soon as he's gone, I'm going to be the first person to say, fuck that guy. I'd but, fight him for a shift. Well, you know, I'd have him on my team, but first shift I ever played against yeah. him, that would be yeah. Only him and Sean Avery, the only two I can think of. The only two guys that I know Wilson? What about just Wilson? on behalf of everybody else. But what about Wilson? What Wilson? Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. No, I wouldn't. No, well, no, okay. no I, I don't think he's as much of a pest. I think he's scary. He, like... You know, he come across. I just keep my head up like I did against Scott Stevens, but I don't think he'd kiss my lips or anything like that, like yeah. Marshawn. Oh, I don't yeah. think with Avery coming out with Avery. Yeah. After that comment. Oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, Dion Phaneuf yeah. comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Ooh. Avery, you're in a you're in a union. Yeah. I will. Yeah. I don't care if I played for fucking Nashville. Mm-hmm. I would go after him the next game. Yeah. I'm saying there's only two that I can think of that first. There's lots of tough guys. Yeah. There's lots of pests. Yeah. You bring up Torres, Cook. Whoever you want to bring up. I just have nothing really personally against them. Whatever they do, they're out there. I'd be wary of it. And if they did something against my team, I'd go right in there. Mm -hmm. But Sean Avery or Brad Marchand, first shift, first shift, just because I don't like you. Now, after that, you know, whatever, let the uh, cards fall where they may. But um, just on behalf of the union, I think I would have to do that. And I think (laughs) I'd feel better about myself. It'd be a selfish move, but I'd wait till it was four or five to nothing or whatever in the first game I played against them. Either way. And make sure that I, you know, knuckle hit face, whatever. I'd make sure that. <laughs> I might even lose, but I'd make sure knuckle hit face. Uh, so with all that said. If you didn't watch it, or if you didn't see it, so what had happened is uh, uh, Birds and Caps, Marshawn is in the kitchen of, you know, Tom Wilson all night. Marshawn's in the kitchen of Lars Eller all night. And then finally it bubbles over, and Marshawn throws the first punch. Lars Eller, a, he's a big boy. Yeah. He's, you know, he could throw around, like, I'm not a fighter. I think I could get a couple of licks in on Brad Marchand until he completely knocked me out. Uh, but then he instantly, he instantly turtles. Like, I haven't seen a guy turtle like this since Alf Samuelson was running around. But everything like, is on hey, his okay, terms. Okay. Yeah. Also, everything is on his terms. Also, again... Fuck Alf Samuelson. <laughs> the Alf Samuelson count on the podcast. Is I love too. that you brought up Alf Samuelson. All right. And again, I'm wearing a Bruins jersey mainly because of Cam fucking Neely. So fuck Alf Samuelson. Oh, no, one of my favorite players ever. One of the greatest players. Like, archetype power forward. Fuck Alf Samuelson. By the way, and I, will, and I think we cut you off, so you're going to have to yep. finish. But yeah, before yeah. I forget, there's a difference, though. I'd still have Marshawn on my team. Mm-hmm. I just don't like all those stunts. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I would never have Avery on my team. If, there oh, was yeah, one, yeah, yeah. if I had to go down to one, yeah. I hope I never hear of him again. I'm not, don't wish death on anybody. Yeah. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying I hope he goes to fucking Tanzania and I never hear. or It's just a little bit less stress in my life because that guy's a... So, so he's the only guy who's going to get a no on the can I be on your podcast. <laughs> hey, if he wants to come on, fine. I'm not going to... I met him. He was just, at Brad Richards' just not, just not years in person. Just, yeah, not, <laughs> we're not going to do a personal uh, f- film shoot with yeah. Sonny. Just, right and it's just, you know, and I get the... He's just so narcissistic and... You know, just everything's for the camera. That was all a show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all a a fucking show is all that was. He's an (laughs) average player. But we should go back and finish this Marshawn point. Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm tagging Brad Marshawn here with what I'm calling an intentional offside, which is just, in my mind, an intentional offside, it's just just a boneheaded, selfish thing to do. However, if I were Bruins, literally, if I were anybody involved in the Bruins organization, if I'm talking management, hockey ops, coaching staff, the guy that scrapes the little last drop of ice from the Zamboni door, 
given the injury situation that they had this year, I do not want Brad Marchand fighting. So you got to find a way to have him reel it in just a tiny I bit. I know, but it's yeah. a catch-22 because if is. he reels it in. Then he might not be Marchand. He's not as effective. Like, that's the thing. Is like, we're at a point. I mean, you know, he's really effective. We're at a point with the NHL where the biggest thing here is it's it's not. Like, enforcers don't work in this kind of hockey anymore, right? Like, it's just not that type of game. But pests do. Like and that's oh, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, now, and now each team is and, a pest rather and, than a, yeah rather than a goon it's a pest. Take your fucking and, and so Marchand if if he takes that part of his game away, we, he's not as effective. Which it which is I know, with, I know which that. is sad because the thing the thing is that we saw it in the World Championships last year, the year before, whenever it was like when Brad Marchand just plays hockey. He is a phenomenally good oh, yeah. hockey player. Yeah. It's when he does all the other shit that just makes everyone hate him. And that's that's the sad thing is like Brad Marchand is a guy who became a pest to accommodate for the fact that he's like five foot three. And he's trying to make it in the <laughs> NHL and he's, you know, yeah. and he's just a smaller guy. And so Small he became a pest. I would imagine it was a combination of just being an arsehole and like naturally just being an arsehole and accommodating for his size. And that's kind of the way he it went is, with it. But the thing, well, no, I just, are you ready? Or did you- I, I, I think so. Cause all I'm trying to say is that like, I think if we take it out of his game at this point and at the uh, NHL level, I, I think we thing. lose a big part of Brad Marchand. This is the thing, which uh, right scope, right across society. Take it, me too. Take it, whatever you want to, you know, politically with Trump or Trudeau or whatever. <laughs> there's, there, you know, you, 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 there's a, a blanket of, of people just assumptions that everything is the same and, and mm-hmm. it's not the same. There are levels. Darcy Tucker was a pest. Yeah. A respectable pest. Yeah. He did the same thing, except he's not going to come up and lick your fucking mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he might spare me. I'd rather that. I played against Tucks for three years in the Western League. He was one of the best players in the league. People, he made that. He was very determined. Wasn't a great skater ever. I don't. Th- but he had twenty goals in the NHL. It came from. He was a small guy in the West. He was frail. He was about one hundred and sixty pounds, man. But he went out there and he did whatever. If he couldn't beat you in a fight, we played in West in the nineties. Was real tough. Think of the guys, man. Wade Belak was a tough guy. He went in the first round. You know, it was very important back then to have a bit of toughness. Western League was king. We won like eight of 11 Memorial Cups or something. And Darcy Tucker was one of the main players on the best team arguably ever in the West. Three out of four Memorial Cups, Kamloops Blazers. You know, he went in the American League. People said he's too small. He had 90 points. Then when he went up to the show, he was always a pest. But Tux meant what he was like. You know, Tux wasn't doing that for the camera. He was doing that because that's him, man. And he'd, he'd spear you. I'd hate him for it. You fuck. I grabbed him. But if he if he licked my face or, or, to, or told the world that... You know, he fucked my girlfriend for sloppy seconds, man. I don't know what I would do. That's yeah. what the, you know, that, that's, again, yeah. sorry, I'll take Avery out of this. That's the one thing that pissed me off about him. Yeah. If he didn't do that, maybe, or those push-ups on the ice and shit. Okay, but let's just say Marchand, though. But, you know, every once in a while, Marchand goes over the line from pest to just asshole. Just no matter what yeah. you're doing, that's an asshole move. Yeah. If you're playing hockey, if you're in a phone booth, if you're ordering a fucking coffee, that's an asshole move. Yeah. Whereas Tux, it was out there. I'm going to fucking go as hard as I can. I'm going to play with passion. I'm going to jack everybody up yeah. in here and get them all behind me. And then after, we'll have a beer and talk about it. Yeah. Right? And that's, and that's, the, and that's the thing, is that at the end of the day, um, there's stuff that's hockey stuff. And there's only one, maybe two 
like there, there's there, it's a small number of uh, situations where it is acceptable to lick another person. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say this. I honestly, I honestly think that the licking of the helmet, the licking of the face, and all of that uh, Leo Komarov stuff. One, uh, some guy put it on YouTube and synced it up to the Titanic music. Amazing. Definitely worth looking up. All right. But number nice. two, I think uh, like if I'm anyone in the Bruins organization. I let that, like, it's kooky, it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't belong, like I'm some sort of old, you know. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't belong. It it doesn't, But I would rather him doing absolute foolishness like that than throwing soccer punches, (laughs) because Lars Eller could have just really done a, like, the weight class And the other thing is, like, I was watching, um, I'm I'm currently uh, hitting up Audible, listening to Down Goes Brown's History of the NHL uh, in the car, and yesterday, I, uh, he was talking Talking about the Good Friday Massacre. Yeah, I remember, I remember that. And, I, and it's on YouTube. Yeah, I went. Yeah. I went back and I watched YouTube. Uh, um, watched the YouTube clip of it and was watching it. Craziness. And the the Slager punch on John Hamel that like ended the guy's career. Yeah, man. Is one of those things of like, because usually, and I mean, you, you'll say this to UTR that for the most part, it's it's hits. Like yeah. hits. I've had four post concussion syndrome. By the way, yeah, one, yeah. one affected me for a year. 300 fights, never had one from a fight. Yeah, yeah. All hits. And, and that's the thing is that generally fighting isn't the dangerous part of hockey. It's the hitting that yeah. is. Um, but at the same time, when you do see like a devastating hit like that, that is something that if a helmet comes off and there's no visor and there's no whatever, yeah. that is a hit that Lars Eller can make on Brad Marchand. Oh, yeah. um, and it's the sort of thing where like if it happens to a guy like yeah. Brad Marchand, everybody's just like, you know, everybody who's not a, like – a Bruins fan or affiliated with the Bruins says good, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's well, sad, but it's, you know, in a, in a physical game where everybody's yeah, yeah. going around with a weapon and there's hard boards. I mean, we're never going to eliminate the yeah. physicality. I mean, yeah. I had concussions and it's bad and I hated it and everything, but we got to work towards making it as safe as we can and we mm-hmm. help people with them, but it's always going to happen. I mean, you can go on a breakaway and slip and that's another one. I had another one uh, on a breakaway, slipped and they hit the post Helmet popped off, headed the boards. Again, I was going really fast. I think it's the momentum, whether you get hit or what you do. With fighting, I'm standing there. It yeah. doesn't matter who's punching me. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm yeah, stable. Yeah. I'm looking. But now the other thing, to get back to the Eller. Yeah. Eller, just, Eller doesn't have experience fighting a lot anyway. Yeah. So he went about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I would tell you, Marshawn is a guy, he's always going to do it on his terms. Mm-hmm. You're not going to back up and drop your gloves and get him to fight, man. It doesn't matter who you are. It's not, it's not a size thing that he fears. He just got to be on his... You know, I don't think even fucking Chara, or I guess they're on the same team, but you know what I mean? I don't think Ryan Reeves intimidates him. Yeah. Marshawn, it's just whether when he's going to do it. He's fought big guys. He beat up Eller a couple of years ago. Yeah. But Eller, what he needs to do is like, if there's a scrum around the net and, and, yeah. and, and he's in there, grab his jersey, then get in close, then start glove washing him in his face. Don't back up. Now drop your gloves. Now now face wash him a little bit. Now get in there on his gut and like start ripping at his jersey. Make him do it. Back up. Now you're separated from the crowd and you got Marshawn and you're there with him and the ref's got you. That's how you do it. You drop your glove and you start going. Then he would. But I think if you just back up in the middle of the ice during the play, he's going to pull that all the time. You need, a, you need a lot of people around, like a goal mouth scrum kind of thing and that's the thing is is at the time that that Marshawn did turtle there was a linesman trying to pull him apart at the yeah. time and, and it was as Eller was starting throwing punches yeah. with the linesman there that Marshawn turtled down I, I wish um, Eller, I wish that Marshawn was mic'd up or the linesman or something you'd probably hear like no 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 <laughs> do you no, have the Bruins no. mic'd up uh, YouTube clip there uh, uh, it's pretty good yeah I, I don't have it here but oh. uh, but uh, but yeah it is it, we well, yeah, definitely check it out check uh, it out sometime they got, yeah, he does have a mic on him a lot of the time he's just chirping <laughs> the whole game he's actually pretty good at it I, I know and and 
with that, I think we'll we'll, we'll wrap up the the Brad Marchand Mutant Ninja Turtle, uh, just because we do have to move on to another topic, uh, and not even another topic. We're gonna go to another segment, and that segment is uh, is something what, what we're gonna do. Where uh, we're gonna take it to the tweets with take it our to the tweets. with our hashtag hot take. So yesterday, uh, just before we recorded this, we threw it up asking people for their hashtag hot take. So it's hashtag hashtag hot take if you want to follow it along. It's very important you spell out the word hashtag. The That's, second time. The yeah. first one is the hashtag. Yeah. The second one is the word hashtag. Yeah. Um, and so we asked people to throw some um, some hot takes uh, to us. And uh, Charles went through and he grabbed a couple that he wanted us to, to kind of chat over uh, while we're here today and, 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 and weigh in with our opinions on your hot takes. So uh, what's the first one you got for I'm us? I'm going to grab the first one uh, from uh, Twitter user Derek Mills, who goes by at the Adman 709. All right. And uh, it was very, uh, you know, a very brief tweet. And it just says, and I'm, I'm, it, there's a lot of question marks here. Somebody be, Bobrovsky to the Oilers? <laughs> there was. There was three, there was three question three marks. Three question marks, yeah. And um, the reason I want to talk about this is because, well, well obviously, um, with Sergei Bobrovsky and, and the situation that had gone on in Columbus and that Nashville thing. That no one really knows about. It's a weird thing. It, it, it seems is. like it was a, uh, it, it seems like he went back to the room. He didn't come back out to the bench, which he normally does. I don't even know if, if when he gets pulled, I don't even think he usually goes to the room right away. I think he just stays on the bench. Yeah. Some um, guys will like automatically go back to the room, cool down for a minute come out and sit down no crate um yeah and but he went back he didn't come back at all um and then afterwards apparently there was some sort of incident in the hour and a half that followed the game ending and the team getting on a plane yeah, what? I read that it was at the tarmac. Which what are we yeah. talking about again? I Bobrovsky. Was, oh, yeah. These fucking loose cannons. There's always some. No, but I, but that's the thing is, there's not. I, I haven't heard anything else about Bobrovsky before this that way. Oh, I, I have. I heard he's quirky. He's uh, well, he's, he's a, a goalie. goalie. He's a, <laughs> we're all quirky. quirky. Whoa. <laughs> no, uh, but, there, there was something. Yeah. Yeah. There, uh, so one mainly like no one really knows what went on with the Bobrovsky thing. However. The, the, the main thing I want to talk about with this tweet is, okay, the Bobrovsky situation c- completely, uh, I think, like, I read that something happened on the tarmac, which made me think of, like, a John claude Van Damme action movie with Bobrovsky Which going we're also going to get to yeah, in a minute. Yeah, which, like, Bobrovsky <laughs> what, what going wild. Sudden death. Sudden okay. death. Yeah, we're going to talk yeah. about that in a minute. Yeah, uh, yeah. However, I am incredibly dialed in and hopeful to see Peter Shirelli Make a trade for Sergei Bobrovsky. Because, like, it, there's got to be, like, one, the guy's got to win a trade at some point. He's yeah. got to turn this around. He And he has, but he hasn't since he's been on with the Oilers. Well, yes. He did great like, work for the Bruins. They won a Stanley Cup on, with, with Torelli. But since he left and went to the Oilers, he hasn't really... It's uh, a tragic hero it's, it's, story, it's, isn't it? It's, it's a trade. bit of a dumpster fire. I, but, I mean, <laughs> did, he, did he trade Justin Schultz? Was he at the helm then? I he think so. Like, but yeah. it was the Hall Larson thing that well, really. Well, that's kinda... the big one. But even the small ones, like Justin Schultz was, like he was in the press box, in and out of the press box. Trades him to Pittsburgh for like a pick, mid round pick, probably. Which also, I, I, I want to, I, I do. It's something that I want to just gloss over now to make sure that we come back to it another time because Tr, you've played a lot of people that we had that we're gonna have on have played, and I always wonder how you feel getting traded for a pick, where it's just like. Am I of that little value that you can't even get a player for me right now? You got to just have like a maybe question mark for the I future. Think it's like, changed. Do you feel I think shitty when that's the, your value. Like, I think a pick is the the like that's the almost the center of a haul now. If it's a high end pick, yeah. I can remember 
this is a trivial fact for anybody. Ron Francis got traded for a fourth round pick, a fourth. Oh, yeah. It always yeah. depends. There's yeah, so yeah. many factors. It's a bunch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's and then you look at what um what's the dude yeah. who was the the GM of Montreal in like the early '70s who just did that, and even though Montreal was winning, he kept dumping off um players to. Uh, he, he kept dumping off like third liners to expansion teams for picks. The expansion well, teams when get, Montreal get all the French guys in the world. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I'm mean, having to draft them. No, but like through like from '67 from that original draft, um, the the GM and I, I'm just spacing on his name right now. But he um, he did the thing where yeah, like yeah, he would just like throw a couple like third liners to like the Golden Seals, and then the Golden Seals would come in dead last, and he'd get like he got Lafleur that way, like wow. Le, like um, he got Lafleur that way. I think he got Rajon Hul that way. Like he got like a ridiculous amount of this. guys, and that built that late '70s franchise by doing that by just like completely destroying expansion teams with trades. Sam Pollock. Sam Pollock, oh, yeah. Okay, didn't didn't know that. Didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, and, and, and that's how that Montreal like late 90s dynasty late 70s dynasty of Montreal got built in the early 70s was him just like just completely exploiting like desperation for we need to look good for because yeah, yeah. what would happen is like and again I'm, I'm stealing this from from the down goes brown book mostly is like he, he'd have teams go yeah sure we'll give you a, a draft pick two years from now when we're not even going to be a team <laughs> we just want to win one right we want to like win two to make the fans feel good um and so they throw like a first or second like you know they throw a first round pick at him for you know a third line guy they'd get the third line guy they'd win their two or three games they'd feel really good and then they'd still be like limping along and, and but in last place and so Montreal after winning the division would still get like the second overall pick it was basically just like yeah. what it's what Chirelli did with the um, with the Kessel trade oh, um, is what chestnut. yeah what Chirelli did with the Kessel trade Sam Pollock did for like six consecutive years in the late 60s early 70s it's actually pretty brilliant uh, but, I I, for obvious reasons my 70s hab knowledge is lacking well uh, that's you know, on you I, yeah <laughs> you know who we gotta get out of here is my dad that fucking oh man yeah like he's he, all these shows request to me. He's just, you know, Dad's not on social media or anything. Yeah. Outside of the odd, the odd chat check on Facebook. <laughs> but we got to get him on here. I won't even yeah. introduce him now or whatever. Those yeah. who know what I'm talking about, yeah. it's a fucking ride, and it's 70s, and it's WHA, and he'd be able to help us with. Oh, all he, he would. He'd be great. Got, he'd be I great. got a lot of questions and a lot of love for the WHA. Uh, what, what were we even talking about? <laughs> we were talking about the possibility of the Edmonton Oilers shipping, uh, literally. Anything out of town for Sergei Bobrovsky, and I gotta kind of feel that if if there's any team that's gonna in the midst of this weird, murky, uh, hazy uh, controversy, the Oilers would be that team to bring yeah. them in. Yeah, uh, I know. Um, and to go back to what you said earlier, a lot of the people that get traded for something, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, I'm sure sometimes that feels bad. Yeah, but most of the time, and I've been traded a lot. And I've been on teams that had that happen. You know, again, even in the NHL, I had eight games, but I was there for a year and a half in the room. Um, and I got to see, it was almost, mes- I almost took more in that way because it's not like I was playing or anything. So all that off-ice stuff I paid attention to, got close to some guys. Uh, one of the first guys I got close with was Mike Keane, great mm-hmm. great captain, great everything. Uh, and I believe he, he came out and said he didn't have to learn French. That was probably the beginning of the end for him. In, uh, <laughs> then when I came back, he was traded. But, you know, I remember... It's usually an opportunity. He ended up winning another Stanley Cup, by the way, um, with Dallas or Jersey. 
or Colorado. Maybe with both. I think he's one of the guys that had three cups with three different teams. Actually, wow. Mike Keane. Yeah. We, you know, there you go. Total. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to. You know, I for think you. he's got three cups with three different teams, and I can get into that. Mike Keane, because like, he's just born to be a hockey player. That guy. Um, again, I don't think he would have had 50 goals in the AHL, but uh, just such a team guy, and did he was the prototypical team guy, man. Like, uh, but anyway, anyway. Most of the time, guys like that, you know, there's an opportunity. If a team is trading for you, it doesn't matter if they give away an eighth-round pick or a first-round pick or, or a player, they want you, and it's kind of a new opportunity. Rarely is someone ripping it up like Braden Point and gets called in and says, you know, Braden, by the way, we're trading you for a third-rounder. You know, like... Pete Shirelli would do it. <laughs> well, yeah, like, usually it just it falls into where you are. You're, you're not usually traded. If someone really wants you and calls... That's different, I guess. And there, there are situations, but like you know, coming up to this trade deadline, teams are going to try to help themselves. The players that get moved, I'll give you a great example: Cody Donahue, local kid, um, was drafted. Detroit wasn't even drafted. He went to the draft, didn't get drafted, but signed right after the draft with Toronto. Um, it often helps to be a free agent in mm-hmm. that situation. You go, I'd rather be a free agent than go in the tenth round and have no bargaining power, but I'm owned for two years. So, uh, you know, so the late guys that don't get drafted are kind of ready to be a free agent and teams want to sign them. So Cody signed and he went back to junior. Then he got traded to Ottawa while he was in junior. And I was like, I called him with that, you know, mantra kind of, are are you okay? Like, are you going to be all right? He's like, yeah, yeah, man, Ottawa wanted me. And Ottawa got him. Now he's in San Jose, right? He was in the East Coast. He just got brought up to the AHL the other day. Their AHL team's in San Jose. But the Sharks really like him. And... You know, he was part of a deal with like six or seven people involved on both sides. I forget the deal. But, um, you know, a lot of the time, like I would have really welcomed a trade. I wanted out. You know, there's usually these people, you know, it's not a disappointment who you're getting traded for. That's just a pride thing. Yeah. Um, you, you you just go and you, and you, unless you're getting traded to Roanoke in the East Coast League and you're saying, what the fuck, I'm an NHLer. Yeah, looking in the mirror. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Usually, you're, you're either prepared for it because you think it's coming. Rowan up, Rarely of course, where people literally go to disappear. Nowhere, you're ripping it up and someone calls you in, you know. Yeah. Where on an atlas would I find Roanoke? Roanoke is in uh, North Carolina. Okay. No, no. No, South Carolina. Roanoke, I thought it was in West Virginia. It's either no, yeah, no, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ro- Virginia, or Virginia, I think it's yeah, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. But Roanoke is literally where people go to disappear. Uh, Roanoke is known for Roanoke Rebels. Roanoke, Roanoke, they've had a few different teams there. Roanoke, uh, best known in anything else for uh, how it was one of the early uh, settlements in North America, and then um, everybody that lived there disappeared. And when uh, people came back to bring them supplies, everyone was gone, and there was just the word Croatoan carved into a tree. And there's a big mystery around where everybody went. Uh, but the Lost well, Colony of Roanoke is an actual Christ, thing. Right, North Carolina. Um, North Carolina, oh, yeah, yeah. Roanoke. <laughs> lived there? Yeah. But no, North Carolina. I was sure it was North Carolina. Road, but, yeah, but Jesus Christ. I um, thought that was... But just circling back, I have confirmed Mike Keenan um, did, in fact, win a cup in uh, 93 with the Habs. Um, he won it in um, a 95, I guess it was, with Colorado, because he was part of that Wa trade. Oh, so he won okay. that one, one with them. And there's he, two. Oh. There's Roanoke County. I got to correct before oh, I okay. sound like a fucking geographical idiot. I got a degree. <laughs> Fuck. It took a lot of geography, of course. So Roanoke City. Uh-huh. Is in Southwest Virginia. Okay, yeah, so it's Roanoke two County. different Roanokes, yeah. and they're okay. and they're both prominent. It's not yeah, like yeah. One, so that's why we both thought so. Okay, so so that um, and he did win as well with um, with Dallas. Um, yeah, 
Uh, he did one uh, in 99. So in 90, within six years, he won cups with three different teams. Wow. And also... Uh, Always guys like that to do it. He Chris Damon, Brad Lukowicz. Uh, in 87, uh, uh, played in uh, the World Juniors where he didn't get to win the World Junior because Did he was part of the punch-up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. when the lights so, went out. Yeah, so uh, that's a... Uh, and he also ended up playing with the Manitoba Moose. He did, until he was like 40-odd years old. Yeah, he, he um, actually played with the Manitoba Moose until... Uh, the moose moved to St. John's and became the Ice Caps. It yeah, wasn't man. going. It wasn't he, making the first He wasn't coming down here. He <laughs> had so, enough of hanging out with yeah. Terry Ryan. Well, he was like 43. Every once in a while, when, he's one of the guys, though. When I go, he he takes advantage of the yeah. alumni stuff, too. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a Stanley Cup champion, not like me. <laughs> we got eight fucking games. So I gotta, yeah, I got a world ball hockey, Mike. That, that's comparable. No, but what, the point I was going to say about him, boys, I'm telling you this. One of the nicest guys and leaders I've ever met. The first camp I went to Montreal Forum was still there. So I, I, I And I fluked out he him and lyle odeline were great they took me out you know drinking i say yeah, it was yeah. like you know six seven beers at a place called cheers you know the few nights we were there we had and they, and they really were behind me and brad brown there's brad brown yeah. was another guy first round pick the year before me and we both weren't great skaters i, I think lyle and, and mike we you know really almost they're similar to our style yeah, yeah so maybe that's what they saw in us but they were great and i remember my and you know going on the ice you know, right away, I, I could see Mark Recchi. I'm like, this guy's a fucking bullet. Mm-hmm. Pass it to you. That's the biggest difference. I remember going back to junior. People were like, what's the difference? I'm like, Mark Recchi's passes. That's, I don't know how. <laughs> they, they don't bounce off your stick. I mean, coming out of the zone, they're bullets. It's harder than my wrist shot. It's crazy shit. Yeah. So, and he would always say, just throw it my way. You could throw it three feet in the air and he'd knock it down. He'd just keep yeah. going. He's just, Rex would always go, put it in front of me though, but not behind me. Yeah, put yeah. it in front of me, I'll skate onto it. So Little just, bowling ball. Just, it's just like playing with me. Well, yeah, yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> yeah. But like those, there were certain people you could see, even Vladimir Malakoff, who ended up, you know, really underachieving. The guy didn't like him very much, but he, you know, you see his talent right away. Yeah. Mike Keane, and this isn't a slight to Mike Keane, but I remember going, because he was the captain. I'm yeah. coming out going, what's the captain? And yeah. you know, he's on the World Juniors. Yeah. But you look at back at his junior stats, they weren't outrageous. He was just such a good leader and, and a good two-way player, great two-way player. But, you know, he I remember him saying to me, first day, we went out for a bite to eat, and then the second day we were at practice, and he said, just look at me play. He said, I'm no better than you. I'm not, again, he is. Not, <laughs> but he, you know, again, to look at him, like Turner Stevenson was the same. To look at Turner, you'd say, this guy plays in the NHL, wow. But yeah. then when the game happened, I mean, wow, in other words, he doesn't look like that. But when the game happened, it was a completely different story. Yeah. Mike Keane was blocking shots. He was he was. Uh, chirping guys and not in a pest way just like you know you know what's coming you know no, he was always he was, and he'd stand up for guys he was a decent everything and I, I never going back if there was anybody if there was one person that made me feel good about myself and made me confident it was Mike Keane for sure Recky would say the same but Recky was unbelievable I'm like I can never skate like that yeah. no matter what I do but Keane did look I was like you know what he did it and maybe I could you know Wow. Ricky held on to the NHL until he was like 43, Fucking right. didn't he? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I remember Way he retired on that guy. Oh, big, big Mark Way Ricky guy. And, 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 and big thing coming back, he was a huge part of that Bruins. Yeah, he was. That uh, Bruins win. Yeah. Retired on the ice. Yeah. Rex, how many cups did he have? Rex is... Carolina, Pittsburgh as a young guy, Carolina. Uh, Boston? Boston. I think he's only got the three. I think he's he only got... Only got the three. Listen to himself. Fucking listen to the Stanley Cup rings. Holy, yeah. jangling on his hands there. Yeah, only yeah. he's only, only got three with three different wins. teams. That's it. Apologies to Mark Yeah, where's Pocket Rocket when we, we Pocket Rocket got the most? Doesn't yeah, he played 22 years. He won with oh Pittsburgh in '91, uh, the Hurricanes in in in. Uh, 
he won them 20 years apart. He won he won his first one in 91. He won his second 15 years later with the Hurricanes. And then five years after that, he won with the Bruins. That's and, pretty uh, fucking heavy, man. Three cups with three different teams, and, man. And at age 43, he is currently the oldest player to have scored a goal in a Stanley Cup final series. That's wild. Well, think about it, man. Like, think of the odds. When you make the NHL, like, I got to be honest, I... You know, I felt the whole time that I was going to keep playing. I mean, and, and really, if I didn't get injured, I didn't play my cards wrong. If I went back to camp, I, I, I kind of created my own destiny, whatever. I know we can get into that someday, but for people listening, I kind of fucked up. But it was always on my mind to, like, make the NHL. It wasn't like to win the Stanley Cup because it was just the odds aren't in your favor. There's yeah. 30, what, 32 teams now? 30? So you got, well, there will be 32. Yeah. There was 26 when I came in. And it went to 30 the next year or two, I think. Or maybe it was 30. I think it was 26. In any fucking case, it's one out of 26 or 30 that you're going to win it. So, like, people go, Rick Nash just retired. Hats yeah. off, great career. Now, yeah, huge and, career. Great. Before career. I get into that part of it. Did he have a cop? No. I don't think. He no. didn't make the playoffs till like fucking 12 years into his into yeah. his career. Because he was he was with the Blue Jackets Columbus. up until he went to uh, right? New York, and then he played yeah. with the Bruins. And he, he had was, the Stanley Cup final a few years ago. Uh, was he with... The Rangers. With the Rangers, yes. yeah, that's right. So he was. Was. And he played with... The, Aaron Ashton was on my team, by yeah. the way. Or yeah. in junior in, in Montreal, good buddy, wrote yeah. forward in my book. Uh, Aaron played in Gander a couple years ago. We can get into all that. And, and shout out to the Gander Flyers for uh, Flyers. as much as, as someone from Grand Falls. Uh, yeah. It, it kills <laughs> we'll me to, to shout too, out yeah. to the Gander Flyers. Shout out to the Gander but Flyers. But they did it. They brought in Aaron Ashram right after the year after we played the fucking Stanley Cup yeah, final. That, that was, was cool. a treat. Yeah. That was a treat for everybody yeah. in Newfoundland. And we sold out wherever we went. And uh, thanks to Ash for that. And yeah. uh, thanks to Gander for accommodating both of us. It was a great time. But, um, you know... Um, there's another guy. So anyway, Ash and Batomi, yeah. remember they were really down on Nash that year in the yeah. playoffs. But Ash said, you know, new, like, don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> but he's playing with a broken shoulder. Yeah. Whatever he meant, separate or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. He went through all those playoffs. So, you know, he's not the most physical guy, but he played through some injuries. There's different There's he, different ways to show toughness. I've often mm. said that. The One of the toughest guys I played with or against, you know who I, before I get ahead of myself, you know who the toughest player in the league I thought when I was there? Depends how you how you define tough. You say fighter is one thing. Are, are you asking us to guess it or is this You'll rhetorical? You'll never guess it. Let's just say toughest non-fighter. That's the non best one. I can't fighter. say toughest in the league when Bob fucking Probert was in there. <laughs> but let's just say, and I'm telling you, I only played against him twice and it, it blew me away. But, I, you know, I probably sat out three or four game against him. And he's a winner. He's a big time winner. And I could not believe what I saw because all I saw before that was highlights. I, I'd say, I'd have to say Lemieux. For that era, like a guy that came back, I mean, that guy came back with cancer. That's a great, like, you know, you and know, he's probably my favorite and you don't player think of to watch. As a tough guy, but like, yeah. no, great, great, great way to, yeah, great answer there because mentally <laughs> tough, you know, Jesus Christ, you yeah. have to. Remember the year in like 92 or 93 where he had cancer, 25 games, and he comes back 25 games in. Mm. LaFontaine was leading yeah. the scoring. <laughs> yeah. And he won it. He won the scoring. Yeah, LaFontaine's not going to forget I that. He couldn't do up his skates. On remission. In remission. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was that fucking was, sick. Oh, but you know, now, so there, hats off, and he's my yeah. favorite player to watch ever. I, I hate when to compare him or Gretzky or Orr, to me, that's the top three. Yeah, yeah. You know, how do you, and by extension, in today's era, yeah. a guy like Crosby who actually does it all, of yeah. those three, or was the closest to doing it all, but even he took chances. Let's say, watch Orandan. He ain't in his position. It's yeah. great to watch. He, he he needed to do that to open up the game. Yeah. So I would start to put Crosby and these guys, but those are the three. Let's be honest. Those yeah, are the yeah, three. yeah. But toughness, um, Peter Forsberg. I'm oh, really? Oh, yeah. He blocked that, okay. shot. He yeah. went in the corner. He was so strong in his skates. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Like, well, you, you would because he's a fucking winner. He's a Hall of Famer. I assume he's a Hall of Famer. 
But I'm not sure. I'll check. I assume. I, you know, I don't know games I'm played, or, or I, I can guess, and I know he had a lot of points. But I've, I, I don't know. Like he was mesmerizing to watch. Um, I remember when he came back yeah. for. I think he came back with a Nashville Predators, and he and he had some injuries. He too. had this weird. This is like. Oh yeah, Forsberg uh, went like uh, two, uh, 2014. Yeah, he went yeah. early he into the Hall of Fame. He had such a like. He always had that problem with his his, his foot, and he had the uh, kind of uh, the media had gotten a hold of like his his regiment, and he was getting all kinds of weird like shock therapies, which was like that, back that, yeah back then that. it was yeah Dude, back then it was I'm real primitive. Yeah. I remember like, hearing he wasn't going to play, and then he fucking died. Yeah, and Dude. then it was just like, oh yeah, like they've been electrocuting my foot because I don't know what the injury was, but I guess somewhere a doctor thought, hey, let's put a couple volts through this yeah, and man. see if it gets better. And, and he did, like, I, I that do love sounded it. hard as nails <laughs> to me. There's, remember, there's, and uh, towards uh, the end, he just kept coming yeah, back. Yeah, on, on Forsberg's Wikipedia page, there's actually a section that says injury proneness. Yeah, man. And like Benoit <laughs> Brunet was injury prone. Yeah. They called him Benoit the Brittle. Yeah. Right? Like, there's guys like that. And nothing against Benoit. Yeah, People yeah, get injured. Yeah. I don't even know if I fully believe with the prone thing. Yeah. Sometimes just luck. Yeah. And you know, you're playing that sport. It's, just know, a, sty- it's, it's a style it's, of play yeah, yeah. that lends itself but, to, to totally, situations. Right? Yeah. But Forsberg, I'm telling you, yeah. until then, I knew he was good. I knew he was great. Mm. You know, you see the highlights, but it's not like I was sitting around watching Quebec Nordiques games or, or Colorado Avalanche games. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, so, you know, you'd, you'd hear Sackick and things, but holy shit, man, in live. Yeah. And, and I remember a lot of when I say toughness, because he was playing through injury the whole time, and everybody would say, well, he might not play tonight. Yeah. And we'd be in the room, and you'd hear other NHLers. That's how you get to know. Yeah, yeah. Because I warmed up every time. I got like yeah. 200 warm-ups in the NHL. <laughs> so, oh yeah, it's fucking true, man. It's true. <laughs> the one game I played through, the one year, that's why people go, well, you know, you're up for a cup of coffee. I know, but like, 96, 97, I was there almost all year. Um, I only played three games. Now, I, I, did, I had a concussion the year before and everything. So they they were great. They just said, you want to practice with us? Unless we get like eight injuries. Because they were even calling up like Tucker and these guys. I was junior age. Yeah. But they're like, you'll get in. And, then, you know, once every month they'd throw me in the lineup. And it was great learning experience. I don't fucking think anything bad of it. But point being, like, I was there for like over 100 games. I think 155 or something is what I got credit for on the NHL. PA whatever it is yeah. that your payout at the end, yeah, yeah. which isn't much until you get to 400 games, but that's happened. So, but anyway, you know, so you, and you know, if anything else, it's like if you're blind and you pick up on all these sounds, yeah. you know, I wasn't playing, so I couldn't concentrate on that. So I would hear all these guys I respected talk. Yeah. And like whenever Forsberg was in the conversation, yeah. like Recky, Damfus, these guys in doing up the skates. Okay, boys. Okay. We got, yeah. we got Pete tonight. Okay. You, you know what, you know, let's be ready. You know, they didn't say that about many other people. And then yeah, he'd get yeah, out yeah. there and he'd just be a dog both ways. And he'd wow. just all of a sudden dominate and he'd, he was really go down the wing cutting in. And I don't think now we're, we're how many years past his retirement. And I think people are already starting to forget. And it's almost disappointing because he was mesmerizing. I did not. I wasn't ready for what I saw when I played against him. And, and you know what's really amazing about that? Is that this whole conversation about Peter Forsberg started 20 minutes ago when we mentioned Sergey Bobrovsky going to the Oilers? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's why. Uh, I don't even know. One more hashtag um, hot take. We might as well. Yeah. I honestly was thinking that when we initially Ken started. Wants to go on in 15 minutes. That's perfect. That so, is yeah. Uh, one more hashtag hashtag. So we'll do one more hashtag. Well, we'll, well I'm gonna do my best to try to keep us to like maybe. Half the t- half that time with this, okay. then I then I want to talk to Tr about something before we go we go to Ken. Okay, but uh, what is the 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 second one? that you want to bring up. All right, I'm going to bring up the second one. There's a couple that I wanted to get to here, but we went off book. We can we can we can save them yeah. for other ones. We, uh, you know. so this is this comes from Facebook from there we go. Dennis Rice. 
Sid, and, and I'm going to read it out in hashtag format. So, hashtag, hashtag hot take. Sid Crosby doesn't look like Andy Samberg. That's not a hot take. That's just that's, being an edgelord, in my yeah, opinion. No, that's, 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 uh, Ricey's a good friend of mine. He was my, uh, he was my first oh, roommate. Oh, uh, he He's from Windsor. Uh, he's not related to the boys. Oh. He's from Windsor. Not related to, I think, distantly related to them. Uh, my first roommate when I moved out to St. John's, I stood for him, emceed his wedding. Great, great buddy of mine. So thanks for that. Except for, uh, fuck you, because you're wrong. Yeah, we're gonna he get totally, him a set like, of prescription lenses it, after it, reading. Everybody this. knows now. There's people that will weigh in, and and uh, our friend, uh, our friend at Dwan Cherry on Twitter will be the first to tell you that uh, Andy Samberg is like a like much lower on the on the hotness scale. Everybody else, because somebody else weighed in with that saying like Samberg's yeah. like a seven, Crosby's a ten, <laughs> but um. But the the thing here is that you are wrong. Yeah. Uh, he they do look alike, and it prompt it so they were so wrong really? that last night when I saw this come through, um, I tweeted out through the three MI podcast Twitter account that I want to see an episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine. That is, uh, it, it happens where uh, it's during the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Rangers are playing the Penguins, and a death threat comes in against Sidney Crosby. And it, so it's like it, this is basically a remake of Sudden Death, but instead of Jean Claude Van Damme having to dress up like the Pittsburgh Penguins mascot, it's Jake Peralta having to pretend to be Sidney Crosby and go out and play a Stanley Cup playoff game wow. pretending to be Crosby. <laughs> I, I, would I, watch I can't that. believe how much traction this got I online. Would Everybody watch that. thinks that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I they look. I think they look remarkably alike, and I really want to see that episode of television. I am here for any form I'd, of I'd Sudden Death for, remake. I I'd, I'd, I'd be happy for it to be a. Bur- Brooklyn Nine-Nine two-parter. Good. I, oh, with a two-parter. I worked yeah. at a gas station uh, just at a high school um, when I was in Lab West. And if you've ever been to Lab West, uh, working at a gas station in the winter, there's not much to keep you busy besides filling up skidoos. Uh, <laughs> so I, I remember scouring like the Walmart bargain bin DVDs waiting for sudden death to just kind of magically appear. Because let's face it, that's where you're going to find that movie. Got tired of waiting and ordered the thing off Amazon for like 19 bucks. I paid full price to watch Sudden Death at work. And I got to tell you, it didn't really hold up. No, I probably haven't seen that movie in a good 20 years. It was on TBS like every weekend. I, yeah, it's it's been it's been so long since I've seen it, that movie. That but. movie in a roundabout way is how Lemieux ended up owning the Penguins, eh? Like uh, they sunk a, the owner sunk a pile of money into that movie, and it was a bust. They, it was a huge boss. They obviously had to pay a lot, and I think like it, it, I, it, it was the second biggest uh, bust, uh, bec- second biggest '90s hockey bust, next to Terry Ryan. I think they overspent the uh, sorry, budget. Sorry, I, all I, press I, is good I, press at this point. <laughs> but I think, all, yeah, yeah. Pay, I think they could, someone sorry, can challenge yeah. me, or, or I'm frequently wrong, but I think they couldn't pay like Swass what they owed him. Uh, and uh, they were just like, well, take the team and uh, good luck. Like, we can't pay you that money we owe you. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, it, like, once an NHL are always an ex NHL. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, but don't worry. Me and other fucking first round bus talk about it. We, we have a lot of these little sayings we go by. Of course, got a group chat where people yeah. talk about how many people are asking them for tickets. <laughs> yeah. 
fans give you shit. Hey, where can I pay to watch you drive your cat? Don't worry. I've heard them all. I'm trying to come back. I am, I'm in on the joke. Uh, and that's the thing is, if if I didn't think if I if I, I would I would have uh, done that one if I didn't think the TR would get him a kick out of it. Um, but that is wild. But now that we've done that, we've actually spent a reasonable amount of time talking about one of our hashtag hot take things. So we're going to move on to something else before we talk to Ken because this is something that uh, we suggested doing, and I think it's a good one to get right out of the gate. Is that obviously, like we said, TR knows most of the people that are coming on the podcast. That's how we get them on the podcast because they are friends of, of Terry and they and you know um, they want to come on and chat and stuff. So one thing that we want to do is uh, we haven't even we, we, we try to come up with witty names for our segments. I don't think we named name this one. Oh man, but this while, is called guessing game. Oh, it's just guessing. Like you got like a guess who kind of lick going on. I was like guessing game. Uh, Sure. We're so, gonna edit that out, right? Uh, so what we're gonna do what we're gonna do is uh Terry, you've known you know Ken for a while. We want you to tell us a story about you and Ken Reed, and then when Ken comes on, we're going to ask him to guess what story you told about them. Okay. So what is your Ken Reed story? I'll just tell you how we met, I guess. Okay. Okay. Um, because a lot of the times we've been out in Newfoundland or Toronto kind of blend together. So that was unique. So I was um and I'm going to go through, guys, because you know my fucking stories now. We, we'd be here till fucking Wednesday. Um, <laughs> sorry about the F-bombs, Have it too. noticed. Have it noticed. That's how yeah. I talk. You know, I that's know. how I talk. It's a, it's a real flaw. I got F-bombs everywhere. That's just it. I'll try not to be ignorant, but, you know. Yeah. I assume we're... You guys haven't cursed yet, and I've been... I've said, I've, 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 I've said a couple of fucks. One or two. Okay, good, good. And <laughs> can yeah, we just... Long, on three, two, one. It's on... Fuck. fuck. There, there we go. go. Um, so... I was out in 0708. I was going to go to Europe to play hockey, but because I'd had an ankle injury. That's what happened to me. I went to Dallas camp and I had yeah. a high ankle sprain yeah, in 2001. Yeah. So, which was good and bad because it, it, it hurt, but I thought I could keep playing, but I could keep skating. I just ended up making it worse. So then I had to, within a year, I had to sign retirement papers. Again, I wasn't going around. I couldn't walk, but I couldn't mm-hmm. play at that level against those guys. All of a sudden, I'm a winger, and I turn one way like a 747 and the other way on a dime. So the way I turn like a 747, I'm getting lit up every fucking time. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy with concussions, it just didn't, and coming out of my own zone. Mm-hmm. So the NHL was out. But um, three or four years had gone by. I was back here playing senior. I just went on a reality show and lost a bunch of weight. I went up to 260 at one point, had a divorce. Having to, having to retire from hockey was real he- heavy on my mind. Um, and, and not just the NHL, you know, that was a disappointment, but I wanted to tour the world for free and, you know, I was still a good player and could do that. But anyway, I had this insurance, uh, I had like a couple of million dollars insurance package, but my last year, 0203, I'd gone back. That was after I'd retired, but I went back to Orlando to see if it was any good. And I, mm-hmm. it, it was a catch 22. It was mm-hmm. a shit league. The Atlanta, well, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that. The Atlantic Coast League Hockey League, it was similar to the East Coast League. I think at that time, a little bit worse or worse. A little bit of a level down, maybe single A as opposed to double A, just because we had no affiliations. But there was a lot of a lot of veterans like me, Chris Lapuma, Brad Federenko, ex guys who played way up but wanted to live in Orlando rather than we're we're not going anywhere. Why would I sign in Kalamazoo? You know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there was great players there. I don't think it was just it just wasn't <clears throat> as physical because people were on yeah. their way down rather than up. Yeah. But I went there and I led the playoffs in scoring and we won. Uh, I only went with like six games left. I got my yeah, minimum yeah. games left. And it was a bittersweet because then I had some NHL offers and I couldn't go to camp because yeah. I had cortisone in my ankle. I couldn't feel it. Yeah. And that wore off. It was terrible. Yeah. So I went through this period of having to realize I couldn't play anymore and I, I bloomed up and my ankle was bad for a couple of years. Anyway, I finally went out to Bentley, Alberta. I was going to go overseas. Steve Marshall, being my lawyer here, said, you know, I don't know. If you go over and play pro, you're waiting on this insurance money. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert, I, I only ended up getting, I think, 70000 
um, because I played those games, a mediator came in. It was yeah. really awkward, and I pissed away money for no reason. But uh, well, for a month in Orlando, whatever, two months. But point being, I'd gone back out there, and I I played for the Bentley Generals, and they set me up with a huge job. team, huge like, team. Like and that was at the beginnings. In, of Incredible that. Canadian senior hockey yes, team was, that are just totally. You know, yeah. Ryan Smith and his brother Kevin and, and his brother Jared. The Ryan Smiths, one of three. Yeah. They all played in the Western League. Kevin mm. got some NHL games. So they they were in on. I don't know if they stepped started the team they were in on it. Bentley only had eight or 900 people. Mm-hmm. But it's about wow. 20 minutes away from Red Deer where I played junior. Yeah. So a lot of them were ex-Rebels. Perfect for me. Yeah. And I could bring these guys together. I don't know if they... That was the year. We went to the Allen Cup final and lost 3-2 to two in Ontario to Brent Gretzky, Aaron Brand, uh, and the Brantford Smoke. Brantford mm-hmm. Blast. But I'm, I'm going somewhere with this because, yeah. you know, why I was there and everything. So and that was the year. So I called some buddies, Dion Darling. I used to play Sugar Ray Schultz, played for the Islanders, lived in Edmonton. We were, it's right in between. Red Deer's in between yeah. Calgary and Edmonton. So I actually got Mark Wolf. I called a lot of buddies and made the, not made the team. They yeah. got me there. And, they, you know, they, they were almost there. I picked, helped them pick up some guys. We beat Stony Plain in seven games and we went to the Allen Cup. Yeah. And then I think they went to like seven in a row and they won two or three of them. Yeah, they've won They're a pop. still going. Didn't yeah. they, win the, they won the one that was in Clarenville yeah. a couple years ago, they right? Did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they won one at home. They at least have two, if not mm-hmm. three. Well, that was the first of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first that was starting. So, and it was great. And it yeah. was a good option to then go on over because the talent, like the, the hockey, at least the good teams out there were as good as, you know, the lower leagues over there, mm-hmm. let's say the Danish league. Yeah. So it, it got my competitive nature juices going again. And, but the job they gave me was like hot shotting, they call it, They're bringing stuff out to the rigs. So say, you know, they need propane or, or he had a pipe fitting company, mm-hmm. I should say. So it was up north. It was it was outfitting the rigs, but it wasn't actually going to the rigs. So I'd drive to Grand Prairie yeah, yeah. with orders with two, you know a big truck to to you know up even right uh, not quite as far as Whitehorse, but you're getting up there. I went over the yeah. border a couple times, but I had all this time to myself. So like I called in one day. There was a guy telling a story on the radio. I don't know if Ken will remember this, but uh, he was telling a story about the Canadians in say ninety ninety odd yeah. ninety five ninety six. So I called in. I said, you know, I was there. That didn't happen. You know, I think yeah. they were about Vincent Tamfus. Yeah. And I told a Western League story. You just fact-checked. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I'm like, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. So I think he was telling a story about Saku Koiver or something. Yeah. You know, and we, we came in at the same time. I know Saku. He's a you know, good buddy. Well, don't talk to him anymore. But if I was to see him, you know, yeah. he was a buddy. So, um, but anyway, so I would have all this time. So I called in. Now, Ken is from Pictou County. Went out. He was working with, God, Bob... Oh, God, he's the guy for the Oilers now. Anyway, uh, they, he had a radio show, Stoffer, Bob Stoffer. Mm-hmm. He had a radio show at Edmonton, wasn't affiliated with the Oilers, and Ken was his kind of assistant kind yeah. of guy. He would chime in here and there. I don't think he produced it. He was a sidekick, mm-hmm. co-host, I guess you could say, but it was Bob's show. He was the, he was the Charles Pickett. Of- he was. <laughs> no, even, I think even lesser, like Ken. <laughs> like, getting much lesser than Charles Pickett. Well, he and Charles that's- are kind of on the same level. <laughs> this was Bob's show. It was like yeah. a Bob Stoffer show. Yeah. Right? This is third man in, and we're all here. Like, there might be a week I'm not here. Who knows? Like, I, I, I prefer to be on a team. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, um. <laughs> yeah, with Ken, you know, there might be an episode Ken wasn't on. I don't yeah. really remember the setup. Yeah, yeah. But he was there. He was fucking Batman's Robin. So, um, I then I, I don't know how Ken had heard about me. Maybe it was through Colin White, who played with Sheldon Surrey. He's from Picto. Yeah. But stories had started to get out there before my book. Right? Your legend does, in fact, precede you. <laughs> it, it it certainly did in that area, yeah. right? Because I played there in junior ten years before. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, and you know I'd go back I mean my wife is from there I got roots so um, anyway I, I started calling in and Ken 
we had a great chat, just like this on the radio, for maybe two hours. They let it go. It was maybe like 9 o'clock at night. It was pitch black. I was mm-hmm. driving north. And Ken said, why don't you come on every Tuesday and we'll do Terry's Tales. So that's, and it actually helped me write my book. The next season, I was still out there, and I was flying to play senior hockey every Thursday. Mm-hmm. I would, I'm Red Deer. I would drive an hour to Calgary, hour and a half. Then I'd get on a flight, fly to Toronto. Then I'd fly to Halifax. Then Deer Lake, get off the plane, play for the Cornerbrook Royals for the weekend on Monday, get back on the flight, and go all wow. the So I would write down Whoa. the stories in perfection. Like I said, yeah. I had a journal. I had a skeleton because I had Man. them all. But then I would pick ones to tell Ken. Yeah, and the ones that I picked then I, were fresh in my mind because I just talked about them. So then on the flight over to Cornerbrook, I get them all my notes together. This is what I just talked about with Ken. Yeah, and then I, I remember halfway through going, Ken, okay, I'm, I'm doing this book now. So yeah. I'd say, where do you want to steer this? And that is how I met Ken. And the next year, I ended up moving over here. I got a yeah. great deal on some land in Portugal Cove. I got accepted from Memorial University. Figured I'd never see Ken again. Yeah, Ken gets a job in Toronto on Sportsnet and follows it. And you know, he he really. He had to really work hard to do that, I remember. Um, and anyway, we just, and, and then my book comes out, and I go up and do some work with Sportsnet. So I ended up, and Ken had me on his show. YouTube, Ken, Ken, yeah, yeah. Ken Reed, Terry Ryan, there's a couple of good interviews he had me on there. And he got a great article written. I mean, it brought me to tears, actually. The the um, rock star in the hockey news is great. Well, that, and that, yeah, yeah. that was similar to that. About yeah. three years ago, Ken wrote one himself um, on his channel. On, and it's still there. I saw it the other mm. day. But anyway, that that was how it all came together. Now, ever since, we've done alumni things. Ken mm-hmm. had never been here uh, at the time. And then, like, maybe three years ago, he came. And he comes every April. He's coming back for that Hometown Hockey Heroes, I think it's called. Okay, yeah, yeah. The one they play the in, like, Stroke. Yeah. yeah, in, like, CBS or whatever. Totally, they, yeah. I think they play and he, that, yeah. you know, now he comes over for Hometown Hockey. He was yeah. here in Cornerbrook. We had a great time. Yeah. So Ken and I, and it's very similar to us sitting down like this without the mic in our face. Ken yeah. and I like to have a beer, talk about hockey cards, yeah. talk about nostalgic um, sports. It doesn't have to be always, it's it's, it's hockey or baseball. Usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Ken grew up as, and again, I was a fan. I was a mm-hmm. big fan. I know every hockey player says that, but yeah. I like the writers as much as, like, like Herb Zukowski, well, Red Fisher, yeah. who ended up being a bit of a dick to me. but Yeah, I read the story yeah, in the yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. But I really looked up to him. Yeah. I enjoyed his writing, and I was a Habs follower. So like my first day there, I was just as happy to meet Red Fisher as I was to Mark Recchi. Mm-hmm. And Ken kind of grew into that kind of... I, me and Ken have similar tastes, so as we started working together in the media, I guess we became closer. Cool. All right, well, uh, we're going to take a, a, a brief pause here. And when we come right back, we will have uh, Ken Reed with us to uh, see if he, he guesses that that's the same that's story. The and I want him to see if he goes off and talks about Orlando and everything, too. So we'll see. Uh, but we'll be back in a minute with Ken Reed. All right, and we're back, and now we have brought on our guest. So I guess, T.R., would you like to uh, do the honors of introducing him? I suppose I could introduce the young man known as Ken Reed from Picto County. Um, I guess, where would I start with Ken? Ken's with Sportsnet now. Um, he's on the desk with Ivanka Osmak, a good friend of mine. Uh, Ken, how long have you been there? For 10 years? Uh, it be eight years in uh, May, T.R. It'll be eight years. I guess we would have first talked 10 or 12 years ago uh, in Alberta when you were working on Bob Stoffer's show. You know um, what? I, I was doing the math the other day. Yeah, it'd be 05 or 06 we connected, maybe like even 
12 or 13. That's crazy. Yeah, eh? that, is, that is crazy when you think about it like that. Uh, but uh, we've had a lot of good times. Can has uh, three books out there. Um, did I know? Did you do the Maruk one? Yeah, I got four now. Four? I don't know. I did the, the Maruk one, one, uh, was one Night Only, and Hockey Card Stories, and Hockey Card Stories 2. So Hockey Card Stories and Hockey Card Stories 2, being the most recently came out was Hockey Card Stories 2. two. Anybody that grew up, uh, Ken's around 40, at least pushing it. I'm 42 tomorrow, um, or uh, on Monday. So anybody around our age, I know, will really get a kick out of this because the, uh, the Hockey Card Stories, it's a nostalgic trip. We all... You know, that was our go-to, at least for a lot of our generation, not everybody, but one of our go-to hobbies. And these are really interesting books. They're people from every province. I love that you have some Newfoundlanders in here, although I'd like to be in Hockey Card Stories 3. I do have a unique Hockey Card Story. Um, <laughs> you do. I love your Hockey Card Story. <laughs> the One Night Only, the book, is underrated, man. That's a good one. It's about people who played one game in the show, um, and they're always interesting. My... Uh, you know, in, in my own stories, I come across Jonathan Dalil I played with who's passed away now, my buddy BJ Young. Mm. They're one-game guys. So, you know, I, I know a few of those kind of guys that if they didn't, you know, they can always say, their families can say they were an NHLer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of that comes through in the book. It's really, it's it's kind of warming, man. It gave me goosebumps. Um, Boys, I keep losing you. I, I lost the last 30 seconds. Did you? It was, it was TR talking up about how incredible your book is. Uh, well, that's good. Keep going. <laughs> I, mean, I, I can listen to that all day, um, but I can't hear it. And, you know, outside of that, Ken, Ken's a rec hockey player. Uh, he's usually in on the joke. Uh, a great fella. And, you know, Picto County, I, I guess, you know, as I lead you in, Ken, I'd like to know the first thing, I guess, because some people out there aren't going to know uh, all about me, you, or, or even hockey for some people. But what brought you from Picto to Edmonton? What was when I when I met you at least over the radio? It was in Edmonton, Alberta, and we'll get into that later. But how did that whole process happen? Well, I, I I've always loved the game of hockey. Like it's it's my first love as a kid. It's among my first memories. So, and, and another one of my memories from a kid was when I realized I wasn't going to make the NHL. I was probably I don't know seven or eight years old. So then I wanted to go into broadcasting. So. I went about my business, got a degree and all that. Where did you get the degree from? What to do? What's that? Where did you get the degree from, Ryerson? Uh, no, UMaine. UMaine. So I got the degree from UMaine. Fuck, I and then uh, I ended up kind of wondering what to do. I moved back to Halifax and the Junior A team in the Maritime Junior League, Jim Bottomley's team. I know a lot of Maritime members know who Jim Bottomley Oh, is. yes, he's a legend. Uh, yeah, they, they were playing out of the Dartmouth Sportsplex then, and their announcer on their Channel 10 games had gone to do Halifax Mooseheads games, so they needed an announcer. So I called them up. I, I just randomly called them and found out that they needed an announcer and said, hey, I did games in school. And they said, sure, if you want to do them, go ahead. So boom. So suddenly I discovered myself volunteering at Channel 10. Uh, a few months later, they hire a few kids to do a, a weekly news program, so I was one of them. So then I was getting paid to broadcast, so... I stayed and did uh, Bottomley's games for about two and a half years, uh, made my way to Calgary where I started as a news writer, worked my way up to nighttime sports anchor covering the Flames and things like that on TV, and then I took a job in Ottawa, and then a few, two years after that, I took a job in Edmonton. Now, was the job you took in Edmonton day. with Stauffer? No. The job I took in Edmonton was with CTV Edmonton, uh-huh. and then Stauffer thought I was funny or something, or something. Yeah. Not all that annoying. <laughs> I, I didn't so he think, got me yeah, on the radio with him, like and then, then you just for that. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. I was at CTV Edmonton, and Stauffer's radio station was in the same building. So he asked me to be on his radio show once a week on Tuesdays, 
And then a few months into that, TR, you called up. I and knew it was Tuesday. I fucking knew it was Tuesday. <laughs> I already, it's great. I already said that, too. So that's great. You're, you're proving my yeah, point. Yeah, train wreck Tuesdays. So then yeah, Bob train wreck Tuesdays. Oh, got it. That was it. <laughs> he thought you and I were funny, and away we went. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and Ken, the rest, I guess, for anybody that watches TV in Canada... Uh, or you know any sports whatsoever now would would know who Ken Reed is. I'm sure Google is uh, lighting up right now. Now listen, the last thing I'm going to say before oh, yeah. a couple of the boys got questions. So I noticed lately, I talked to you a lot, but we haven't really talked about you're on location a little bit more. Is that something you wanted to do? Is it just you know part of the territory? I would love it myself, travel around rather than just being in Toronto. I know you travel a little bit, but lo- on location, I've seen you a couple times this year. Is that something that you're going to bring to the mix now all the time? Well, I always wanted to be in live events. My first dream was to be a play-by-play guy. But, um, you know, I worked my way into the anchor chair, and I, I enjoy it. Um, they, I think they enjoy having me there. But I did get to fill in as ringside reporter on Hockey Day in Canada in Chicago this year and for a hockey night game in Ottawa at the end of December. And I think they were just a little short-staffed, so I got the tap, kind of like being called up, you know, from uh, from the St. John's Maple Leafs back in the day or the nice. Fredericton Canadians. boy. So I got the call, <laughs> and I was honored to fill it out. It was awesome. It's it's There's nothing quite like being at the game. Um, now that I have a family, my anchor schedule is really conducive to, to being a good dad and being around, so I enjoy that. But it's nice to get out. I mean, ideal world, I'd love to go do 10, 10 or 12 games a year in anchor as well. So I, I quite enjoyed it. It was it was a real thrill to get to do it. So who knows what the future will bring, but Beautiful. I'm really, really lucky and fortunate to have the kind of job I have where I go and talk sports all day. So whether it's in the anchor chair or at an arena, you gotta you gotta make the most of it. So it was it was I mean, to hold a hockey night in Canada microphone Ooh, is yeah. I I can't even put it into words what that feels like. You, and you're not exaggerating, <laughs> you're a true fan, I know that much. Yeah, it's TR. Maybe it's. I know you and I've talked, and maybe it was like that first time you were skating around a warm up for the Montreal Canadiens. For me, I was. You had to remind yourself, okay, I, this is like a, a, a thrill of a lifetime, and I've always dreamed of this. But you have to remind yourself, I'm here for a reason, because someone thinks I'm capable of doing this. So you're right, and I you reminded know, myself of that. And I've always said the way, though, we, Ken, the way we went. For me, I could blend in on a team. You're, you got the camera on you. I think if I had jitters, it would be worse in your in your position. I know now you're used to it, but that must have been quite a thrill, you know, at first. But but also yeah, to do hockey night in Canada was awesome. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. but like it, you know what? It's like what you said. You're part of a team. So like when I did the game in Chicago, I'm there with Rick Ball and Greg Millen, and then there's true, you know, good point producers behind the scenes, uh, Jeff Girardat, who's basically taking my hand as a rookie and taking me through it and there's the the Chiron guys the research guys the camera guys so you're part of a team there too I mean in TV I mean it's when you're when you're on camera on TV it's kind of like you're the the announcer at the circus Uh, there's all (laughs) kinds of stuff going around you and if it wasn't for the people taming the lions and putting up the tent uh, no one would listen to the the ringleader right so you're just part of a team as well oh good answer (laughs) great answer Uh, Chuck you got a question for Ken I know you got one or two I've got a couple brewing here for Ken uh first thing I'm gonna get to at so obviously the book is mainly focused around hockey cards and somewhere in the middle of a volume two you talk about how uh I I believe it was like the Dino Cicerelli rhinoceros card which is yeah it's a brilliant but you kind of mentioned how you had stopped collecting hockey cards kind of uh this period of uh you know when hockey cards had had reached their uh, that era of rhinoceros cards 
what is it like uh, now compared to so I've had the same thing kind of happen to me like we everyone in Canada remembers who they bought their hockey cards off of uh, the guy that used to sell our little card case was named uh, Trevor Dove and how uh, old are you Chuck to put it in context uh, to put it in context I was born in 89 okay. uh, so when I kind of fell out of the hockey card fandom it's like at the turn of the millennium where uh, 2000s 2001s kind of came out there's so many different companies making them and now uh, I, I mean I wouldn't know besides Tim Hortons in November <laughs> I wouldn't know where to get a pack of hockey cards or, or who's in you know what's what in the hockey card world and uh, is that something that you kind of still are in like your hockey card knowledge is just time period of when these books are based yeah, I'm more of a I – I guess if you were going to call me an expert, I'd be an expert of, you know, 1980s cards, early 90s cards. Um, the, the Tim Hortons thing is genius because, Chuck, you kind of said it. You got out of it. It was confusing. There was a lot of manufacturers. Now, the only company that makes NHL cards now is Upper Deck. They have an exclusive deal with them. The best thing I think Upper Deck has done in a long time is partner with Tim Hortons because yeah. it's a pack for a buck. So when I was a kid, it was a quarter. Mm-hmm. TR, when you were a kid, it was probably a quarter or 35 cents. Yeah. Then it went up to a buck. and I mean, then it got crazy. <laughs> Um, so the, the hockey card hobby where it is right now, it's kind of similar to where it was before everybody freaked out around 1990. Yeah. Because yeah. it's simple again. There's one company that makes the cards. Back in the day, it was just Opeachy. Now it's just Upper Deck. Yeah. Upper Deck does a, a wicked job of of kind of – they kind of have to serve everyone, right? So they serve the average collector, which is what they do with, with the Tim Hortons thing. You mm. get cards for a buck. So you see kids going around now with hockey cards at schools, which is Fine, awesome. Yeah. It brings me back to when gap. I was a kid. Yeah, you're right, Ken. That, that's, right. that's true. Right. So for a long time, that didn't happen. But you also have the high-end cards. There's a series called the Cup, and the packs can go for anywhere from 500 to 600 bucks. Now, a kid's not going to buy those, no. but a high-end collector will be served by those. So Upper Deck's done a great job of doing that. So the hobby now, it's kind of a hybrid of what it was during the insanity period and what it was when I was just an innocent kid in the 1980s. But my favorite thing is the, the Tim Hortons program because you're literally – like you're you're given the the birth of a hockey card hobby to to kids and for a while that was lost I think on us um, it became you, just an adult business but now they're back in the hands of the kids and I I think that's just fantastic so it's kind of getting back to where it was with a with a bit of an asterisk because you're also serving the high end dealers with with different packs as well. And I think that, yeah, uh, I think another thing with it that's really good is that it has gotten back to kind of like the one manufacturer, like it's just upper deck. Because like you said, uh, if, you know, when uh, especially like if you look at the books, uh, a lot of the stuff that you're referencing is it's all kind of Opeachy cards. But like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm 35. So like early nine, like late 80s, early 90s, when I started collecting cards as a kid, I made a horrible mistake and I started collecting ProSet. <laughs> you, you weren't alone because ProSet was so readily available. Yeah. Everywhere. And they were good looking cards like they, they you know the uh, that first series of pro sets like they looked cool they had a, they were colorful so as a kid it was like kind of the go-to but like also like if you check i think that first series of pro sets when they list off like mistake cards there's like yeah. 800 of them oh yeah like yeah. there's so many error John cards Rosetta. on those and they're all now worth like three cents my hockey card collection as a kid is useless said as well if you look at some of the pictures they use some really old pictures they have denny savard's first pro set card he remember his old canadian bucket tr that yeah. big big helmet he wore around 1983 yeah so that's on his card not i know a lot about cards i and i i, I you know I, i'm familiar with pro set i can't remember denny's savard's though i'm sure i got it home 
Um, so I'll go check I, that I out. I know you'll know that bucket, though. That big, I know the bucket. Yeah. I know the bucket <laughs> in my head. Um, and Ken, I like. I love how you said around 1990, 91. It's a funny story here. Yeah. In 91, when was J- John Slaney went in draft in 1990 or 91? I think when, 91 was the World Junior. Yeah. The, yeah, so his card here... If you were to go out and buy a John Slaney card here, it was $25. Uh, and my good buddy Andy Pine actually brought this up and wanted to ask you this question. But um, I don't know if you know of any other situation, but I mean, for two years here in Newfoundland, like if you, if, if I'd just known, I, I just assumed, I think like three years later when I looked it up in the uh, Beckett price guide, you know, mm-hmm. I looked and John, just John Slaney card is five cents? What the hell happened? But yeah. it was never more than five cents. Well, it was just not, not that I'm not taking away from John Slaney. Yeah, yeah. You know, but at the time, nobody's was. I mean, Eric Lindros coming in, you know, might have been 10 bucks. But, I mean, yeah. you know, of all the best, Owen Nolan was a huge player coming in when Slaney did. I don't know that his card was big. But in Newfoundland, right, yeah. we, we created such a big market. He scored the World Junior uh, winning goal, one of the best moments in Canadian uh, hockey history, let alone Newfoundland. I mean, we couldn't believe what we were watching. Mm-hmm. But I remember to go out and get a Slaney was huge. You'd open yeah. a pack and go, yes, I got a fucking John Slaney card. And <laughs> you go crazy, but... I, I don't know. I really don't know. Did people like fly to Toronto or Halifax and buy cards and come back and get them? I really don't know. But uh, there was consistently, myself and Jeremy Charles would collect and we would pay up to 25 bucks, at least 15. That was a deal. Do you know of anything yeah. like that? Obviously, that was geographical. Do you know of any other situation like that, Kent? Just where a card goes up because he's a local star? Well, kind of? yeah, or a card going up for an odd reason. Um, no, I guess. well, I'll, yeah. So this is the thing. Before you could buy cards online, I mean, cards were very priced according to region, right? So in Newfoundland, everybody wanted that John Slaney. In New York, maybe you got a huge, a bigger market region, yeah. anywhere else for Mickey Mantles. But here's another one. Alex Faulkner, who I know you guys yeah. are all familiar oh, with his name, first, first Newfoundlander, Newfoundlander to play in the NHL, NHL yeah. had one card. It was in the 63-64 Parker set. By all accounts, Alex played, what, about 70 games in the NHL. His mm. Yeah, something like that, be, yeah. If he's from anywhere else, he'd be a common, right? Like he yeah. could get it for two bucks or three bucks or five bucks. Alex Faulkner's card is $150. And the reason it's so valuable is that everybody from Newfoundland scoops them up. Whenever an Alex Faulkner card becomes available, somebody buys it because he's so collectible in Newfoundland. And the little island of Newfoundland guys, you'll be, you'll be happy to know this drives the market for an Alex Faulkner rookie card. So if you look in the Beckett, you'll see Alex Faulkner listed for about 150 bucks where other guys who had a similar playing career to him or in that set might be listed for 15 bucks. You know bucks. what? That's a great but, point. Yeah, but because he's so in demand, just from the people in Newfoundland, the price goes up because when somebody puts it on their table or lists it online, they know they can put this price on it because yeah, somebody and, will scoop it up from the rock. And we weren't, I guess, we, there were so many Slaney's that didn't matter what, we couldn't really sway the price. But when you've only yeah. got like, you know, 100 cards or Plus, in the game, I guess it would really drive it up. I mean, I, I just say 100, I don't know, thousands, but there can't be that many Faulkners left. In no, they're not. And, and and you're right. So nobody hoarded their Alex Faulkners back in the day, but all you guys hoarded your John Slaney's. And yeah. that's what yeah. happened to all the cards from the boom era, right? Mm-hmm. People gave them up with phone thinking they're going to be worth a ton. But <laughs> when people got their Alex Faulkner out of a pack in 1964, they might have thrown in their bike spokes or chucked in the back of the closet. But when everyone got their John Slaney's in 1990 and 91, what did they do? They put it in their little plastic case and kept it perfect. Yeah. So they didn't disappear, whereas the Falcons did supply and demand. Now, I yeah. got one uh, I got one question here. It's going to lead into what you got to say, I think, uh, Chuck. I think so. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm reading your Twitter handle, and I believe – I'm not even reading it right now. It's just in my head. I believe it says workout wannabe. Is, is that what it is? Or, or freak freak – Fitness wannabe. 
Something, something like that. But like that. Well, that struck me be, funny because you want to be a uh, workout aficionado. Okay, you want to be. If you want to be, you will be. I can say I want to be the heavyweight champion of the world. Like that's what I want to be. I'm a wannabe. You know, I box at the. If you want to be a fitness guy, you can be. Can't you? Yeah, I know, but I don't want to be. I just want to <laughs> for a laugh. Get well, people like you talk. Anyway, you know? I, I want to want to work out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know exactly right. the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, the fitness. I I'm a fitness wanna wannabe. Okay, exactly. well, if you're a wannabe, just go do it. Yeah. Like Nike. Anyway, it's a little you, different, though. I know so, because you're going to ask a question. So I'm going to take that like and go. Well, if you are a wannabe uh, fitness freak, uh, I know that you know you're going to want to have a cheat meal here and again. And uh, there's a little thing right. that I've been trying to queue up as uh, what I'm calling a home ice advantage type thing. So you're from Picto County. And I did the research here on this, and everybody's telling me that Picto County, nobody in the Maritimes makes pizza like Picto County. Uh, Picto County pizza is kind of a cult phenomenon in the Maritimes, but it comes down to three spots. Uh, so I'm told it's Sam's, Andre's, or I hope I'm saying this last one right. Acropole. Acropole. There we go. Oh, my goodness. So I got to ask you, Picto County pizza, the home ice advantage, which of the three... Where do I go? What do I do? I'm an Acropole guy. You're myself. an Acropole guy. Any reason? How do they know any of this, by the way? Someone, <laughs> someone, explain the history of Picto County having fucking good pizza. Okay. You want to take or this one? Tell you the story. Yeah. yeah. Please do. This is the deal with Picto County pizza. The deal with Picto County pizza is the brown sauce. The sauce they use is brown. I don't know how it's brown, but and it's really hot. It's really hot. It's not like a regular pizza sauce. You're Plus, blowing my mind already. <laughs> Five words in. Go ahead. Okay. Plus your toppings go directly on the sauce, and then the cheese goes over the topping. So you don't necessarily see the toppings. Like, the toppings will creep up out of the cheese, and cheese is usually <laughs> double or triple. But the other thing is, because when you get the Pick the County pizza, it's 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 hotter than a young man walking George Street with a folklore degree from, from Mund. Everybody wants it. So, and for you listeners out there, Terry has a degree from Mund folklore. So, so Ivanka comes to the Pick the Lobster Carnival a couple of years ago, and she goes, I need to try this Pick the County pizza. So I go, okay, we'll, we'll have it after we get, leave the beer garden. We leave the beer garden, so there's a giant lineup at Acropole. And I go, Ivanka, this is really important. Let it cool for at least 10 to 15 minutes, or you're going to absolutely burn the roof of your mouth. And I'm not just talking, you know, mild burns. I'm talking, you might have to go to the hospital. You're going to burn <laughs> no, the roof of your mouth. That's self-control, so, 10 so or 15. A, a few guys ahead of us in the line, there's this kid yelling, I've never had it before. I go, Ivanka, he's going to burn the roof of his mouth. You watch this. This is going to be horrendous. He's going to come out screaming sure enough this kid he gets it he bites right into it and he is on the ground screaming <laughs> his, his mouth has been torched he didn't let it cool so you gotta let it cool and uh yeah i mean people from home brag about it i like it um but yeah it's it's a pick the county thing for sure but it's just something 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 for us to talk about but you have if anyone out there ever goes to picto county and they go get a slice of pizza from sam's or acropole please i'm begging you Use some restraint. Take ten minutes and just let it sit. Otherwise, you're in for a, you're in for a world of hurt. How did I not know this? This is the first I time I got that tip. That's the first time I got that tip. So you've you've saved the roof of my mouth somewhere down oh, the line. Oh, dude, it, like you'll torch the roof of your mouth. It'll be like watching Terry Ryan Sr. skate around for the Minnesota Fighting Saints in 1972, just torching everybody shorthanded style. Tied oh, WHA nice. Leading shorthanded gold. He did. Man, you and Ron McLean, that memory on you like an elephant. Is it an elephant has well, a good memory, right? That's it is. An elephant, an elephant never Ron's, guess, Ron's yeah. memory is just completely off. The Isn't charts. that so crazy? He is the smartest man, T.R., I've ever met. I think so. Like, sometimes like, I, I walk away to the conversation feeling bad. He retains 
everything. Yeah, he does. He remembers names, and that's the biggest thing to yeah. me because I'm awful at it, and I'll have a great conversation with someone, and I'm not paying attention to what their name is, and they'll see me like three years later, and I barely remember their face. <laughs> you, know, yeah. like, you know, but Ron, I, I, dare I say photographic? I've never asked him. But oh, Ken, for it's sure. amazing. Because he'll remember your name, he'll remember your wife's name, your kids' names. It's it's incredible to watch him work like it, the, interact with people. It's yeah, it's man. it's a true gift. And he'll 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 compare something. I remember talking with him about like Calgary's breakout the last time I saw him, which was only a few months ago. The hometown hockey was in Mount Pearl. Not that that was the first thing, but it just the, the conversation went there. Yeah. And he found some way to compare it to the Mongol Empire in the 1300s. I was going, wow. That's oh, a, yeah, man. I believe it. Yeah, yeah like, and, and it, it always gets into this philosophical rant, and you come back, and it usually tiptoes across, like, Canadiana at some point, and maybe a Gord Downey song, and then he'll bring you up with a Gretzky story, and then bring you down with a, <laughs> you know, a Terry Sawchuck story, and then tell, you know, bring it all together with Bob Cole, and then yeah. you're, you just come yeah. out of it, you're like, what? I guess Calgary then got a good breakout. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, it's amazing. But you're right, because guess what Ron is? Ron's our, Ron is our our greatest Canadian storyteller, right? Oh. People love stories, TR. I don't need to tell you this. I just yeah. I was just actually giving it. I'll brag a little here. I was just giving a keynote speak at Upper Deck Hockey Cards about the power of storytelling. You know, people don't retain, like, I mean, we can, we're living in a world now where people like hockey. They fall in love with hockey because of stats and Corsi. And I'm just thinking, this is not my world. I fell in love with hockey because of the game and because of the True. stories that the game produces. Yeah, it's, it's There's like, no better storyteller than Ron McLean. And I mean, that's that's the reason we sit around and watch him on Saturday night, and, and we're talking about him right now. It's it's, it's stories, and I, I just think that's the backbone of the game is the stories that they give us. It, it's true. I think that there's like the is especially a lot of the older stuff in hockey. Like it, there's such a romance to the anecdotal nature of the lore <laughs> yeah. and legend yeah. of hockey, and it's and it is kind of such a big part of it. And speaking of stories, just before we uh, we gave you a call, we we were doing the first part of our, our, our show and we're setting up something that because we do have uh, Terry here and, and he knows all the guests so well and, and he has such a great history with all of them we're playing a, a guessing game so before we called you we asked Terry to tell us his best can read story and now you have to guess what story Terry told about you guys together was it about me going to his dad's basement it was not. No, That's was good because we've kind of even touched on what I said. So he oh, there was a spoiler. He, it, yeah. was, it was already there. Yeah. Oh, I, it's, so it's Trainwreck Tuesdays. It's yeah, Trainwreck Tuesdays. Of. I might have gave it away by cheering when we brought it. Yeah, we, oh, both, yeah. we both were like, yes, you nailed it. And I was also thinking like, oh no, that was what we were going to talk about. So yeah, and then that was so they. We've kind of got that. Um, twice but you know the basement that's that's another yeah. thing uh, i'll let ken go there but, uh, <laughs> i got it on my instagram guys it happened when ken when we were here last april yes okay so if you go back on my instagram and look and it's ken honestly couldn't get down the fucking stairs we got a wall on the i call it you know the, the household wall of fame yeah. or shame whatever you want but every time i would grow up on fridays and i was early playing junior too so my dad would let me in if the parents of any one of my buddies when i was 15 16 17 we could go down in his basement and have beers with him. Yeah. We couldn't go anywhere else. And we could have six. That was it. Yeah. We had to play his records and, you know, watch all that shit. So that's how I'm into all that class. So yeah. nothing's got... changed. Yeah, exactly. He's allowed to have more than six beers yeah, now. Yeah, now that's it. I put him to bed. But, you know, and, and each time we would add, like, a picture to this wall. And now it's like the Hall of Fame. It's yeah. like, you know, you, know, you we got to awesome. rearrange. We got to take, you know, we rearrange a lot because we got, like, a bunch of stuff that the wall is only so big. But every Friday that we go down there, we usually add something or do it up in a little way. So 
when as soon as you go into my house, split level, when you go down, you see the wall. It's just open. There's all these pictures and stories. And Dad and Ken sat there. And it must have been an hour and a half. I've, I've got a lot of it recorded. Wouldn't let him get down over the stairs. And, you know, this, my basement would be one of the, I think, tourist attractions in Mount Pearl. I don't think I'm going on. There's so much. You know, I, I it would be. There's just so much. I mean, I, I would honestly, I'm not trying to downplay the Newfoundland Hockey Hall of Fame mm-hmm. or any of that. I think it's great to go in there and be a knowledge of Newfoundland. But if you weren't from Newfoundland in particular, I think we probably have a more unique basement with... Dad was always into like collecting, just like mm-hmm. Ken with cards. Yeah, yeah. My dad, for example, and I continued the tradition, every every rink we played in, we got a puck yeah. from that rink. Yeah, I love that. Right? Yeah, that's great. Um, if he played against a star, Bobby Hull, we got Bobby Hull's stick on my wall. You know, the yeah. curve jumps out at you, but then I continued that. So yeah, when yeah. I played against Gretzky and Lemieux and these guys, I'd be like, look, I know you got a dozen sticks there. I'll probably never see you again. I'm a big fan. So anyway, that all started and we got a, 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 around the room our jerseys that we wore right from our first Bantam, you know, mid, midget teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really play Bantam and midget. Not a big deal. I went straight to junior from Kiwi, but whatever. <laughs> we're around it, it was all our jerseys and if nothing, we were suitcases, right? Yeah, yeah. So I got, you know, everywhere from Colorado to mm. Tri-City to Orlando, Utah, all around. The, and, you know, in amongst all that, we're huge music fans. And, yeah. and, you know, Ken has got a decent mind for music too. So when he came to my dad's basement, um, anyway, it created for a lot of stories, first of all, but mm-hmm. uh, positive hockey talk. Now, Ken, I don't know what your take was on, on that day, but, you know, I think it was pretty much the same, no? Oh, it was awesome. My first take is I've never been so comfortable speaking to a man who was wearing his bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> and his pants awesome. up to his nipples. Senior had his green bathrobe on the whole time. He and did. it was like, honest God, Terry, it's, it was like when you and I met, we just kind of hit it off and your dad was the same. It was just a blast, and well, we ended up watching fight stories. tapes, and yeah. like just your dad gets so into it and yelling at the the screen. It was awesome, buddy, and he was just. I love the puck bucket. I love the Gretzky stick, the Hull stick. It was, it was awesome. It was just, and it was three guys sitting around telling stories. Mm-hmm. There was no, no video games. There was no apps. It was just, it was just great. It was, uh, it was awesome, buddy. It's and I'm coming back again this April. You know that you you say that. I never think about it. I mean. I say I talk a lot, but I talk a lot normally because I'm, I'm telling stories and I'm in a situation that people ask me a question. It would be weird if I just walked into the grocery store and started talking about my first game in the NHL, right? But, but a lot of time you put yourself in that position, and the more you do, I guess, the more you feed off it. And So collecting. Mm-hmm. That, I, I think if you're a collector, you automatically like stories. Right, Ken. Ken's collecting cards. There's no different yeah. than my dad collecting those pucks. Yeah. So that we're collecting stories. Yeah. Like I said. Yeah. So a lot of people in Mount Pearl have been to my basement. I, I guess, and it's it, it's enthralling to them if they're into that. Um, a lot of people probably wouldn't be, but if you're a collector of anything, I think you'd you know history stories. You tend to you know to come together in those kind of groups. Those tend to be your friends or whatever. So when Ken got to, it was one of the best times that we've had. And it was middle of the day. Usually, yeah. you know, it's a place we go to drink. But Ken was here raising money for the Heart and Stroke Foundation, which is fantastic. So, yeah, and, and we might have had a beer or two. Yeah, yeah. But you know, next time when you come back, I think we'll we got the three of us split one. Yeah, <laughs> was it? Yeah, <laughs> the three of us split one just to say we had a beer together. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. good. You know, and we now we went down to the Green State or no, where was it? Sundance that night, Club One, and I got up and I think I sang. Uh, Johnny Be Good, whatever it was, and uh, Ken was... Yeah, and you did the apartment song, too. Oh, I did the apartment there song. That might have been it, because at the time, Chuck Berry and uh, Tom Petty had just passed away, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm putting our stories together, Ken. I, I don't really know. I think that's that's what happened. But in any case, we always have a good time. Sounds right. I'm looking for you, you know forward what? to you coming back. 
But you're right. I mean, the, the reason people hang on to old pieces of memorabilia is usually in its purest form. I mean, there's people that obviously are into it for monetary reasons. But the reason you hang on to something from when you were a kid is usually you were proud of what happened and it links you to a thing so or to a moment. So when I was a kid, my cards linked me to the far off world of the NHL, right? Because growing up in Picto, the nearest places were Boston and Montreal, 12 hours away. Mm-hmm. So those cards linked me to the game. And now as an adult... The cards link me to the my childhood and the game. So in in my book, Hockey Card Stories, you guys are exactly right. These little pieces of cards, to me, they're more than pieces of cardboard. They're stories. So I call up the guys and get their stories of the game from them, and it's just it's just another way to tell stories. And when you go into your dad's basement, TR, you say, hey, what's up with that stick? And boom, away your dad goes, right? And yeah. then you just start talking about Bobby Hall, and you just swap stories <laughs> and have a great time. Now, it, it's so true. I mean, everything, like you said, it, it, it's – all that stuff just brings the stories and brings you back to the place that you were and you remember all those things. And Charles here actually has a, uh, a list that he wants you to go through with him because in his parents' basement, there's also a bunch of hockey collectibles. Oh, yeah. Really, really glad you guys brought up parents' basement because uh, <laughs> so, I... Uh, is, that, is that where you're currently living? Karen? No, no, I'm not. And uh, I tell you, it's cousin... That's He's where from my, Labrador. It's currently where my hockey hoarding past is living and uh, my folks are gearing up to move out of that house. So they want once, to throw everything away. Yeah, once, once a week I get a mysterious phone call uh, in, in which it's just... Uh, uh, so I'm queuing up a segment which I called Chuck It or save it Chuck and uh, so once a week I get a phone call from my parents they found something from my you know collecting past and they want to know if they can chuck it out so I'm going to bounce a few off you and if you want to let me know to chuck it or save it Chuck my dad will be thrilled if you give Chuck it here Uh, he might actually slip you a five or something so uh, up first I'm going to queue up uh, sitting in my parents basement right now I have approximately Nine faded green copper medallions from the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympics that were a Coke promotional item, uh, all of which have Mario Lemieux on them. Do I mm-hmm. chuck it or save it, Chuck? Okay. You're not going to be rich, but this is the question, and I'm going to, I hope I don't kill your segment. What's yep. it worth to you? You, you you have the ultimate answer. Turn it right back on uh, you, Chucky, oh, baby. There you no. go. Right back. <laughs> yeah, it's your decision. It's Mario fucking Lemieux, by the way. I, I it is. My, it's yeah. it's Mario tournament. Lemieux. Yeah, that was That's... 2002. Mario letting the puck go through his leg. This, ah, the greatest assist that was I love that you said that. My favorite play from that whole fucking year. Hockey, right, sports, the... anything was letting that. One of the best plays he ever made, he didn't get a point on. Didn't get a point on. The greatest assist without getting an assist. I'd yeah. keep that. All right, I'm keeping I, I, it. I, see, my thing, my, my thing was that you chuck eight of the nine of them. Nah, they're, they're nah. a set. They're all <laughs> nine. I'm a boys, boys, tell me, when that puck was going across, right? Yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but I was like, let it go, let it go. And he let it go. And, he let and, it go. and we got that hockey sense watching it on TV, right? Man, yeah. he's in you. the moment. And he knew. Never let me down. It was Mario. Yeah. Mario never let me down watching that guy. His timing was impeccable. He did uh, half of it with cancer. And that was just, that was, and that was metaphoric, man. Yeah, yeah. Because he was on that team. And a lot of people, I can't believe it, but remember, yeah. he didn't play much around yeah, yeah. that time. A lot of people complained. Yeah. I couldn't fucking believe yeah. they were. But he was on there. And how does he prove himself? By not by making an unbelievable play, yeah. but getting absolutely Non-play. no personal accolade yeah. for it or no point for it. Mm. You know, it, it, the whole, you know, be, him being there helped. And that I thought that was symbolic of his 
presence on that team. Yeah. Ah, nice. See, now you just made it full circle. Yeah. That's awesome the way you made I'm that. Bringing it all back. Weed's legal now. That's so, storytelling. So you're so so we're, so we're keeping all nine of those, Charles. Keep we're it. keeping all nine of them. All right, all right, number two, sealed safely in protective Ziploc bags in my parents' basement. I've got at least four Muppets dressed in Team North America or Team the World All Star uniform. Chuck it. Chuck it? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm saying I remember these. They they were a McDonald's thing in the, I, I guess it was 90, it would have been the 96 All-Star game. 96. Um, I had them. I ate an unhealthy amount of McDonald's as a 12-year-old to get them all. Um, mine, one of them animal. One of them, one of them animal. is animal. One of them is animal. It's, uh, it's Kermit. Oh, animal. It's, animal. it's Kermit, Animal, Miss Piggy, and Fozzie. Yeah, I don't have oh, Fozzie. Oh, Never animal. got Fozzie. Um, but Fozzie, I got no time for. He's a hack. <laughs> but I remember, I remember that was this that was the year that uh, Owen Nolan called a shot on Hassock. I think it was oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, oh, keep them all then. Keep yeah, them all keep them all. I'm saying, I'm saying, chuck them over here. Like I'm saying, if you don't want them, I'll take them. <laughs> I would happily I have I all those. My, I don't know what your options are going to be, but these sound like collectibles, and of the collectibles that I know, I would chuck them. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm saying the fucking the, Muppets, man. Uh, you're, you're comparing Mario Lemieux with the Muppets. <laughs> I'm okay. saying I'm with, I'm with TR here. Chuck. Okay, my parents are going to love you. All right. Uh, number three. This one gets me a lot of heat. Uh, this <laughs> one. Would. Yeah, this this one. And I'm, you know, I, it's probably okay, already okay. been Okay, okay. Are you going to call it a dollar an action figure? I think that's where this is going. No, no, no. Uh, I've got an empty jar of 68 Yarmir Yager peanut butter that I used to keep pens and stuff in. Ooh. It's, uh, yeah. Oh. I'm keeping that. You're keeping it? Oh, it, it Absolutely. Might. Okay, all I right. I think that's like red up hockey card, Bill. Yeah. It might have. Uh, but is that, is that in your parents' basement, or do you have it now? No, no, that's still at, uh, it's still kicking around. I think they might have been chucking stuff. Uh, the way my folks work, though, they keep things that have no, like, my dad probably has 30 VCRs stacked. Uh-huh. And, uh, <sighs> oh, yeah, he's he's probably got, like, every VCR from the Betamax era, and he's like, I'm going to hold on to that. Are you giving your dad Chuck. shit for hoarding Chuck. when you're we, talking uh, about fucking Muppets Chuck. from the 90s? Is that what's Chuck, going can on? Can you take a step back here and maybe call your dad a hoarder? Uh, <laughs> no, definitely not a hoarder. He's got to. God, what's next? He's got to three kill me. from my He's, pants in the 87 <laughs> Summit Series. Hang on, how do, you know about the, how do you know about the pants button? Uh, and, and the last one I've got, and uh, these I, 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 I was looking at like the last time I was back there. Uh, I've got like 20 of the McDonald's uh, motion cards that you tilt one way and tilt the other. And like. Those old 90s yeah, holograms. You get yeah. like a you get a slap oh, shot. Keep card. Them. There might be a Terry Ryan in there. there might be a McDonald's I'm, in a, I'm in one of those McDonald's You're series. In, okay, and boys, gonna... I still don't fucking know. I don't know if it was my agent. I, I had Wayne Gretzky's agent, Mike Barnett, got me a good contract. Called him one time, it, it, having a problem anyway. He didn't even know what position I was, so it's not like I was personal with Mike a lot. But I don't know if he pulled that off. I don't know who did. I'm in a McDonald's set. I had no business being in there. You should see who's in this set. Oh no! There's only like there's only like 25 players in the whole NHL. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's good. About, those, maybe those 50. Are, like, is that, that was know, a precursor to the? It was before yeah. Tim's did it. Yep. Um, and Don't. the sets were way more limited. You yeah, kept man. Getting way more like repeats. Gretzky, Korea, Lemieux, like and, people like that. And and it was like with the Tim sets that you get now. I mean, there, there's like some standard cards. All of those McDonald's cards were gimmicks. Like every one of them was like part of a gimmick series, right? Yeah. But I, I, but yeah. I don't know how I landed in there. And I, I, I was honestly in there eating, and I got it with my buddies. <laughs> yeah. Open it up. Usually you'd know. Did right? you know you were going to be in the no set? No idea. But I knew from the wow. other ones because they contact you. Like, I got a, I think it was Pro Set. God, what was it? Um, there's a couple Pinnacle. of cards that would claim to be my rookie card, yeah. okay? But I, I don't remember Pinnacle. which. Pinnacle. Pinnacle. 
and they they would send them to me. Like each one yeah. give me like a hundred. Yeah. I think they were to set to sign at games, yeah. but I always felt like this might be my last game, so I kept most of them. I signed pictures. <laughs> Not that I but I but I they're gone now, of course, because yeah. they did come in handy, right? Yeah. I didn't fucking play that long, did I? So I did come in handy. But Ken um, not that you ask, but I do have. If you do, if you do a third book, I want more press, more, more, more. Me, me, me. No, but I do. Yeah, one I of those cards because you told me the story about the McDonald's card. I love it. You're eating a McDonald's, you open a pack, and it's your own freaking card. Yeah, yeah. And I had no idea that was happening, and it was like you know it was pretty big, even though McDonald's is McDonald's. To have yeah. that was huge, huge. Yeah. But my there, so surprised you almost spit up your fifth Big Mac you ate that day. Oh yeah. man, I went through the I went through the list. You got a great memory too, yeah. man. You're bordering. You're a young Ron. Um, yeah, I went through. The boys put me on a bed, and I ate every single thing on the McDonald's menu one day. But but that's why you don't hear that story a lot about a guy opening up a pack of McDonald's yeah. cards and finding himself because usually pro hockey players stay yeah. the fuck away from McDonald's. Still, yeah, I know. I was still just. It was still just. You know what I mean? It was one of those. You're in junior. I think I was 19 or 20, and oh, I didn't man. have to really worry about. It. We all we all worked out. Yeah, and yeah, skated yeah. Every day, so I don't remember even worrying about what I ate till I was like 23. It was just one of those trained hard, but it didn't matter. It was just one of those calorie load rock days didn't where matter. he just has like tables of food. Yeah, I, tell I, me I, about sodium poisoning. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that being said, I didn't eat McDonald's all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, it just didn't make me feel just, good. There just did the point. whole menu one day a year. Yeah. But my there is I do have a card story. The the best one is that. Um, I remember I was that year I was in Montreal for most of the season, 96, 97. The guy coming down, I think it was, I can't remember what the card is. Is it Upper Deck? Uh, he came it's down. Upper Deck, yeah. I got my back. back. He said, I can't get a picture of you in a game. He said, you keep putting on your gear. And I well, wouldn't get one shift. Yeah. So there's one I got. I'm jumping over the boards because yeah. I'm on the bench. And there's another one, though. I'm in warm-up, and he, it, the shot is from behind me, yeah. like the Toporowski one in his book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... You can't even really tell it's me. I guess it says Ryan on the major. And from the red line, it's yeah. in warm-up. There's hardly anybody in the building because I was out there first. <laughs> and from the red line, Jose Theodore is shooting. And it looks like he's like really bearing down to put one off the crossbar. Yeah. From the red line, the goalie's shooting. Because the guy's like, I can never get you in any game action. <laughs> so my, my, my you know, big hockey card that year yeah. was from warm-up because there just was well, not much game time to go like with. Like you said, like you might address it. it. See, you, I love that you can remember that. That's that's wicked. Well, it was big because hockey cards were huge to me too. I had, yeah. a, I still got a Gretzky and a Lemieux rookie. I, I collected a lot though at that age. Myself and Chef Jeremy Charles. <laughs> we were at it every day though. I don't know if there was anybody bigger in Mount Pearl. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, so that's why a lot of this stuff hits home. But for me, a hockey card was massive. Like, oh, I couldn't yeah, wait huge. to get one. And oh, then they all I mean, blocked in, like, right? I had like 30. Because of, because of the era. Back the day, that was your stamp, right? Yeah. Like, that, yeah. Was your ta- that was your tattoo. Didn't you tell NHL, me, Terry? I got my own hockey yeah. card. Terry, didn't you tell me you used to like carry your, I, uh, yeah. it's in your book, right? You used to carry, carry around, around. Give out, like business cards. <laughs> yeah. Right? And after games in Montreal, uh, when I was single and didn't have a girlfriend, I would go to uh, the bar or the restaurant after and I'd have it in my hand and a girl would like say, oh, we, what do you do? And I'd always say, what do you do, hon? She'd say like, well, I'm a nurse or whatever at McGill. Or, and I'd say, well, I'm, you know, Montreal Canadians. <laughs> oh, not really. I said, yeah, yeah. I got a hockey card in my pocket if you want to see it I said my uncle was supposed to come with my nephew to the game and they didn't get here anyway this is a card of me playing for the Montreal Canadiens now would you like to go would you like to go grab a drink hun <laughs> but I, I would do that shamelessly more than once and when I got my card the first time 96 97 the very first one um, I got sent back to Red Deer I got it on the day I got to Red Deer I didn't get there till like February I only played the last 16 games for the Rebels that year and but I was and I was done high school when I was 16. This yeah. was three years later, so I felt way removed. But I would go to the high school with my vans and my book bag, blend in like one of the students, and I'd have hockey cards on me. 
And the, you know, basically just to be a big shot in fucking high school and red here. But, but I remember being there, yeah, like he said, a stamp. I was yeah. so proud of that thing. I would volunteer yeah. to teach at uh, hockey schools just to be around people that knew me. <laughs> wow. To be Good honest with you. The girls it. never turned the cards over and read the stats. I know. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, that's great. You're right. You know, Ken, you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Once that did backfire right in my face. Yeah, really? we went out with, we went out with um, Richard Park. Um, yeah. uh, and Brian Boucher, they were playing on the Philadelphia Phantoms, uh, and Francis Blanger, who I didn't know till that night. But anyway, I tried that, and the boys had actually, and Park had like 300 games in the NHL or something at that point, and the girl went with him. <laughs> I brought up, you guys are really NHLers? I'm like, yeah, it was in Sweetwaters in Fredericton. You guys are really, no way. I said, yeah, I got my hockey card on it. You want to look? And she flipped it right around. She said, oh. What are you doing in Fredericton? <laughs> oh, it's, it, it said three zero 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 five zero 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 zero. That's all it said. And then Richard's like, "Well, I did, I did too. I got a few hundred games." <laughs> anyway, okay. see you later. Yeah, I was eating craft <laughs> dinner hilarious. with Miroslav Guren an hour later. Ken, <laughs> <laughs> while we while we are on the topic of Terry's cards, I, I know like this week as we were gearing up to have you on the show, and we're you know it's our first episode, we were trying to get some stuff out. We were throwing up our like well, me and Charles's. Uh, mock cards on uh, on Instagram, but we we had Terry. Dumb, yeah, we had Terry's actual card, and uh, I got to ask you. And you know, you've obviously got a huge hockey card collection. You've written two books on it. Um, have you ever seen someone throwing such a vicious cross check on a hockey on a rookie <laughs> card before? <laughs> Whose card? Which one was it? On Terry's actual rookie card. Oh, I love it. I know, I love it. Like, he's nasty in that one. Like, <laughs> I love it. Like, I make fun it's of It's in Terry, Boston Garden, too, man. I love that, that I was, you know, if nothing else, I got to do that, you know. Yeah. I get on a hockey card in Boston Garden with two original yeah. sixes. There are things from my career that I just savor still, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I like TR and I joke, but Terry will tell you, I wrote a book about guys who played just a single game in the NHL, and I think that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. I mean, I... I I, I just got so much respect for anybody who ever strapped on the blades and played in the league. And I mean, Terry, I go into his basement and you, TR, you got that display of all your hockey cards. And I just sit there salivating and go, oh my God, I wish that was me. It was like, that I era, man. I think it's so cool. Yeah, it was, I just think it's just just awesome that you ended up on a hockey card. And I think part of what makes it so great is you're such a fan of the game. You didn't take it for granted. I, and I just I just absolutely love that. I, well, thank you. And I still consider myself a fan. That's what I often say to people. It's, it's almost surreal. It's like I step outside myself because yeah. I was no different than Ken. And, and until I went, guys, in Newfoundland, you kind of had a bit of a defeatist attitude when you played. Like, you know, we'd go to the Nationals. You'd win here to Ontario and lose 10 to nothing. Mm -hmm. So, like, I never really felt like I was going to make the NHL. I felt like a total fan, like mm -hmm. a total, uh, you know, almost nerdy fan. And then when I went away, all this other stuff started to happen, and I became this mega prospect. But I didn't know it or was I aware of it. So it's only three years later I'm drafted. It's still not normal to Jeez. me. I didn't grow up going, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this. I was scoring here, but, I mean, no one other mm -hmm. than Slaney. Right? There's not much opportunity. There's players that could have gone. Now you get, you know, 30, 40 people a year playing away. Then there yeah. was nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Um, so, and there was, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And I think that's the thing, too, right? Where, like, where I'm from, when you look at the, the guys who first made it, like, real trailblazers, right? Like, they, when you went away back in the day, you didn't really know where you were going or... I mean, no. I, I think a Lowell McDonald from Pictou County who made it. So he went and he played for East Pictou High School. And the next thing you know, he's playing for the Hamilton Red Wings in Memorial Cup. And then he's playing for the L.A. Kings. He's like, what the hell? How am I in L.A.? I'm from a coal mining town in Nova Scotia. So to go what you guys went through, I mean, 
look at my buddy Cam Russell, like to play major. Well, I know you had a tussle with uh, TR, but to play major junior in the day around 1990, he had to go to Hull, Quebec, right? Like he yeah. didn't, oh, didn't know yeah, where man. he was or. You know, I've often said those there guys. No, there was no Halifax Mooseheads to play for back then. And not only that, Ken, no globalization of the internet. People didn't know. Correct. Like, you, you're isolated wherever you went. Wherever, exactly. right? And and you. That's to me. That's what I remember. Like that was almost now. I say like mentally scarring. It was mentally. It didn't scar. It was mentally. You had to be mentally tough though. Like I remember that being it was really challenging hard. for sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not complaining because at the end of the rainbow was a pot of gold, literally. But um, you know, and 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 fame, and 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 not that you're chasing that, but you know it as a kid. But what I I wanted to play in the NHL. That was like to me, I never really got over the fact. Even now, like you might say, I got eight games, but like I'm, I'm I came to it from a humble place. I still like it's fascinating that I could could play with them. Mm. I could play in the yeah. NHL. We argued the amount of games, but I could do it. I could play in the NHL, and and it's still fucking wild when I think about it. But you know, at that time. Going to Cornell, BC, that's what you had to do, man. And I got to fight junior guys, and there's yeah. no internet. And we got to go to school, and people literally think, why don't you have fucking rubber, rubber boots on, Noof? Yeah. You know? Now, yeah. it took a while. Now, I'm not saying everybody in Cornell was an asshole. Uh, at first, I was roughed up a little bit. Why not? I'm coming in, taking someone job, some local job from the Newfoundland Star. What's he doing? We're all here playing for mm. college scholarships. We're trying to get scouted to the WHL. You're taking a guy that's already there. He knows yeah. he's going to go, and you're going to come into Cornell and knock one of us out of a job? So it wasn't easy. Mm. Um, and to me, had I had the internet, yeah. or even that, you know, I was sending snail mail to my buddies. Uh, yeah. Chris Pettigrew, Blair Connolly, we were writing letters. Yeah. Cam Russell, imagine having to do that going to a place that speaks French. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it, yeah. and until this recent generation, which yeah. I'm not complaining, I think it really helps, right? Like, right now, you can literally talk to your son or daughter who's playing away, um, you know, if they need a little bit of help. You know, come in, have some FaceTime. You can even, if you really want, have some online personal coaching. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of things. And people, wherever you go, wherever the destination, aren't quite as ignorant mm. because they at least know about, you know, people in Quinnell now would have a little bit of an idea about Newfoundland. Yeah, it's still yeah. tough on the kids. It's their yeah. tough, right? It's yeah. their It's their reality. It's their tough, you're right. But I, but I think in a way, yeah, back then, I mean, if you went to Quinnell, BC, or Hall, Quebec, or Rouen, or Rander, or whatever you went, you were, you were there to stay and you were isolated you had to make new friends or, and figure it out. And, I mean, how many guys, fellas, do we know about that came from Atlantic Canada, went away, and just came back home? Yeah. Came back home almost right away. Yeah, yeah. girlfriend and, or homesick. You know, and, and people maybe talk bad about them, but can you really blame them? Put yourself mm. in their shoes. That, that was not easy to do. Dude, I'm telling you right now, I stayed because I realized I wasn't a fool, and I was playing on junior A team at 14, and mm. I ended up leading it in scoring. So I knew... Again, not to be cocky, right. but at that age, I knew, like, this is exceptional. If I was even borderline and I was fighting, at the, I, I would have been home the next flight. And your folks yeah, went with right. you too, didn't they? Yeah, my, well, the first year my folks went with me um, just to kind of get me out there. And they had to live there in order for me to get drafted into the WHL. Yeah. My dad thought it was the best league. Tri-City asked me to go. But we can't take you unless you move here. You're owned by yeah. the Q and by extension after that, the O. Yeah. I was not allowed to get drafted out there unless they came. Okay. So hats oh, off wow. to them. Yeah, yeah, no, um, huge. That's incredible. Was, yeah. People think they came so I wouldn't be homesick. Man, mm. I was going to be homesick anyway. Yeah, yeah. It was, they came so I could technically go to the WHL. The next year, boom, they came home. I lived with Ryan Marsh and his parents. Yeah. Terry, Terry, when did you feel like you fit in in Western Canada? Was it at once you went to Tri-Cities or when was it? Um, I hate to say this again. It was a different era. Uh, it was after my first fight. 
Um, oh, right, in, yeah. in the Rocky Mountain League? Yeah, it was really early on. I, I want it all in or nothing. I don't like anxiety. It's why I, often in a game, if a fight got to happen, I'll do it first because I don't want to worry about it all game. I didn't yeah, want to go away. And with, I didn't yeah. want to take a year to get adjusted. Yeah. Eventually, you, you know, I like to dress it head on. And I might even have said to the boys before the game, but I said, you know, I'm here. Because some of them gave me shit, like went after me in camp. I had a presence of mind, but I still didn't fit in. And I went to school with a Newfoundland accent back then and mm-hmm. zits all over my face. That didn't help either. Virgin. So you got rid of the acne by now, at least. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, with my first fight, first of all, it, it, it made me accept it onto that team. And, yeah. I mean, I hate, it got me laid. I got laid after the game. So, like, that's too... <laughs> right? Because of that. So... Like, Canadian it, it is mad. funny. It is funny, but but I know that's what happened. So, like, I broke out. So, like, a week later... Did I you done, get a goal that night, too? I did score. Yeah, I did oh, score. Twice. Well, we heard the Gordie Howe hat trick. Now we have the Terry Ryan hat yeah, trick. No, I don't know it, Kenny, but, yeah. you know, if you picture a 14-year-old, okay? <laughs> now, those insane. are two things that I hadn't done at home. I hadn't fought a guy like that on the ice. I fought off the ice. You know, I was big for my age. I was in a grade ahead of me, and I got picked on a bit. You know, good in sports, it's going to happen. But, you know, I didn't run to the principal or anything. Um, But, you know, it happened here, like, off ice. But out there, now, all of a sudden, this packed house also played in front of people, but, you know, not like out there. Like, we're junior A. People are there, TV cameras. It's sold out. I fight one of the toughest guys in the league, beat him, score a goal. Locals are mesmerized. Until that point, it was about a week or two after I went there, I'm bugged like I'm, yeah. I'm almost being bullied and then i get laid after like that and i never did that here so like all of a sudden now i'm rocking and rolling and a few of the boys came into me and they're like don't worry we got your back once i gained those guys respect yeah that was it I, yeah. that's when i fit in i felt yeah. like a westerner then and then you know by the time i went to the western hockey league mm-hmm. i was ahead of the westerners it was my third year junior my two years bantam i played junior anyway so i got prepared whereas my roommate bj young who's an unreal talent ended up making u.s uh, world Junior Team a few years later, but he had to adjust. Everybody else right. coming in had to adjust. I felt like, yeah, I'm from Western Canada. The last two years, I've been fighting guys. I got 25 fights in, boys. <laughs> you know, have you ever thrown a hit? Yeah. Right? So, yeah, that's a long way to answer your question, and I love how you flipped out the interview back on me. <laughs> but yeah, that's the answer, Ken. It didn't take me long, you know, because I, I, I yeah. knew I had to do it. Put up or shut up, you know. That's brilliant. I always, yeah. I always wondered when you, you, I knew, I knew that. Like the fight story and the and the post game story, but I never knew what like what it meant when it fit in. That's well, that's pretty cool. The last thing I'll add to that, Ken, is that it helped that the culture you could sub out whatever you're gonna do, like farming for fishing, and it's very similar, right? So yeah. the people in Quinell weren't really unlike the people in Grand Falls or Mount Pearl mm-hmm. or, so they you know, and Canada in general, but you know, I think it probably would have been a bit harder to go in the heart of Toronto, even though it's thriving at yeah. that time, because I didn't sure. know the big city nor did I want the big but city. But yeah, it was still kinda yeah. like a smaller town. Yeah, they identified once yeah, they yeah. saw that I had balls <laughs> and I wanted to be a teammate and that 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 was the way it was in yeah. Quinell. If I went to Oxford University, it wouldn't be that way, mm. would it? It'd be, you know, what do you I, got to bring to the table knowledge-wise? But uh, not that it's an idiot place, but at that time, playing junior hockey, that's what they wanted, and I gave it to them. I just think back of, mm. I just think back to who I was as a kid playing peewee, and then I cannot imagine, not not on a hockey level, but just on a maturity level, of going from peewee, because no we had our, our, our party in our parents' living room after our final year of peewee, and then going to junior. Seeing that everything just, can. And junior in a northern BC town, technically oh central, God. but they call northern... And, you know, with everything, you know, the boys had, you know, there was joints, there was booze, there was women. And, you know, like any junior team, not everybody. And it didn't happen at the rink, but it was impossible. And here's my dad that knows I got to fit in. So he went to Chris Spencer and Dave Standing and Ashley Fennell, you know, the older guys on the team and said, look, like, I need you to take Terry to one of these parties. You really got to monitor him. I don't want him smoking dope. (laughs) 
have mm, a beer yeah. or two, but like I need you guys. Like he mm. needs to be, he needs to fit in, or he's gonna have to go home. And I remember that. Ha- and they had it been another team, guys, yeah. they might not have done that. Yeah, right. They yeah. would have said, "Go fuck yourself." But they didn't. We had good leaders, and Dad could sense that. That's another thing about having Senior as a father. He could sense that shit because he mm. played. It wasn't just a random yeah. guy. I know there was yeah. other people on the team, but he called these people. He's you know three, three, two, three weeks in. <laughs> And that's it. They, that's I think maybe being an only child. That's why my team has always been like brothers to me. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Uh, Ken, before you go, I got one question. Just yeah. a hot take here. Why? Why are you in the Whitby Sports Hall of Fame? How? I'm not in it. I spoke at the Whitby Sports <laughs> Hall of Fame. One day. I was a <laughs> okay, guest good. speaker. I mean, I hope I'm in the Whitby Sports Hall of Fame one day. I, I've never lived there, but I'd like to think I'm pretty huge in Whitby. So, so you're saying you've been in the Whitby Sports Hall of Fame, but you're just not I in? I actually the- have been in the Whitby Sports Hall of Fame. It's at the Iroquois Athletic Park. I was just there last uh, November playing in a charity hockey tournament. So I've walked through the Whitby Sports Hall of Fame, but I was their guest speaker. I you see. Googled me, didn't you, Terry? Well, I know a lot about you, but I did Google this. I said After that Twitter handle, I said, you know... Want to be sport or fitness freak? I didn't know that. <laughs> so I said, I'll, I'll look at some other stuff. And Whitby Sports Hall of Fame came up. Most stuff we can talk about. But the thing is, I think everybody would have predicted that. I was. Yeah, you, look, I've been in a dressing room with you. You've seen me get changed into hockey gear. <laughs> Where are we you going now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just relieved I didn't ask someone from Whitby to explain Picto County Pizza. Because, boy, I wouldn't have got out of that one. <laughs> no, they, no, you'd have been done. Yeah, that's be it. I wouldn't be able to drive through the place. <laughs> or do you guys have any more questions? We should probably let Ken uh, get on with his day. How long have we been on? We've been on, we've been, we've been on for a while. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's been a while. And, Ken, we can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time uh, today to come on with us and, and helping us out here with our first episode. And, and uh this has been incredible, and hopefully uh, we can get you back on again. Maybe we'll do one uh, in person when you're back down in April. Oh, my God, that'd be awesome. And, and T.R., you know when you and I get together, you got to set aside a certain amount of time for both of us because we both like to talk and oh, go yeah. on. So, yeah, they, no, no problem, boys. It's It's been getting me out of taking care of my kids for an hour, so it's a good deal. <laughs> it's fantastic. And, uh, by the way, for other reasons, I'll be in Toronto fairly soon, and uh, we'll see you then. So a couple oh, cool. times in the spring, and we look forward to uh, seeing you here. Awesome. You playing senior hockey this year, buddy? I am. I got a game tonight in Clarenville. As soon as I leave, right now I'm in St. John's at Mike's place in his yeah. studio. I'm getting in my car and um, heading to the bus, and we got a game in Clarenville tonight and tomorrow. It could be my last year, though. Not that I don't love it, Ken, because I do. Um, yeah. And, you know, I get to the rink early. It's, it's not the injuries or anything. It's just time, you know, with everything going on. I, I just, you know, my, my, my work is so all over the place, right? It's, yeah. I do like five different Literally. things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm in the film set dresser, but I get the odd stunt, the odd role. I do this, you know. I do some hockey schools. I play senior hockey. I'm flying to Tri City to do a speech. I'm coming oh, over. Oh, good. So like, yeah, I'm going back to Tri City in March. I can't wait. But it's stuff like that, right? And so it's really hard for me when I love senior hockey, but I need to move on with my career and paying the bills uh, for my Absolutely. family is the most important. Absolutely. We all got to right? pay the bills. Yeah, yeah for sure. Exactly. So. All right. Well, boys, I'm off to the gym to work out. And the reason I'm working out, <laughs> TR, is I'm going to get jacked and you tell that punk Momoa I'm coming for him. Nice. <laughs> there you go. That's the quote that will be extracted from the, all of this. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, for sure. And then you can show him a picture of my upper body and he'll laugh. <laughs> well, I'll show him in three months, maybe. There you go. There's your motivation. You, you're right, a wannabe boys. fitness freak. Now you're a fitness freak yeah, yeah out of necessity yeah okay <laughs> thanks again ken i love you 
Thanks. Love you guys, too. Love you, too, Terry. But, yeah, boys, and thanks. And for anybody out there who hasn't watched Frontier, watch Frontier. Fantastic show. I'm not just saying that because hey, buddy Terry Ryan had his throat slit on him. I appreciate <laughs> it. And was I, uh, was I wrong about season three, man? It's pretty good. Oh, buddy. I don't want to be any uh, any spoilers, but it's I love that show. It's awesome. I'm so glad you put me onto it. Thank you. All right. You got her, boys. All right. Thanks, thanks so much, all right, everybody. Thanks again so much to Ken Reed for coming on and, and chatting to us. Uh, it, it's been a real thrill. And I know, obviously, we're, we're a little bit, you know, we're an hour and a half longer than we were kind of thinking we were going to go today. But it's the first one. I doubt they'll all be this hefty. Uh, but you can find out next week. Right now, it looks like we're going to have Teddy Purcell on the show. Uh, thanks again to uh, TR for, you know, using that address. Shout book. out to Teddy. Thanks, buddy. Um, for using that address book and getting us uh, getting us lined up with Teddy for next week. Uh, so that should be episode two. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, uh, Charles, is there anything that you wanted to uh, give a shout out to? Before yeah, you're going to want to you're going to want to hit us up with your hashtag hashtag uh, hot take. Uh, you can get us on the Instagram, the Facebook, and of course my personal platform of choice, the Twitter that never stops. Uh, add us at uh, it's at. 3MI podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. And uh, anything for you, TR? Um, no, I reiterate the same thing. If people want, there's so many things we can talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we went, what, an hour and a half longer? <laughs> and I wanted to talk about Morgan Riley. Uh, well, next week's, the, next week's the All-Star game. So uh, yeah, yeah. we still got a couple weeks, so we might so, be able to get that in there. And there's fighting and there's concussion. There's lots of, lots of great topics, but there were a couple thrown at us. The one um, from, I can't remember who. But it was on um, at the beginning of the show about who can take penalty shots. Yeah, at, at the, that came in I, just I, before the show, and, and we do want to get to that because uh, it was an international thing. But totally. it's something that the, the I, I feel like part of the reason that we're at uh, we're coming in close on two and a half hours here is that it's the first one, and we're not used to the fact that next week we get to do this all over again. So uh, I think once we kind of get into the swing of that, we'll realize that we don't have to talk about everything all the time. But uh, hopefully enough. we'll get to, we'll get to that one. But uh, of course, uh, Terry, you're on Twitter is Terry Ryan twenty twenty. Terry Ryan at Terry Ryan twenty twenty. I believe, or Terry. One is Terry Ryan twenty, the other is Terry Ryan twenty twenty. Twitter slash Instagram. Yeah, there you go. Charles, of course, is at Smokes Indoors. I'm there as at Hickey comma Mike. Uh, so if you want to hit us all up there, and of course at Three MI Podcast across platforms, should be able to. Uh, get you there with us as well and of course like we said if you want to uh, hit us with a hashtag hot take uh, we'll try to get it on the show uh, when we can so thank you so much everybody and thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Third Man In the podcast see you next week see you then why do you hang around with the worst crowd the worst crowd the worst crowd